Hey everybody, Nick here. Just wanted to pop in real quick because it's that time again. We got a new patron on Patreon and his name is Will. Will is a super cool dude who started interacting on Twitter with the show pretty early on in its run, if I recall. Uh, as time has gone on, I've actually noticed that he shares a lot of similar interests with me and some of the other folks on the show. Uh, and not just comics, uh, we're talking music, games, and even pro wrestling, which I just got back into uh, this past year. Um, it's worth mentioning, too, that Will is the co-host of a podcast called Ring of Honor Revelry with his buddy Tom. Uh, if you were like me and you enjoy pro wrestling, and none of my friends like comics, it's a great culmination of the two, as each episode they dive into, like, you know, a segment or episode and a pay-per-view of Ring of Honor, uh, one of the promotions for pro wrestling, and uh, posit the question of whether or not it would entice people to keep on watching it. Sort of like the pull it or drop it section we do every episode here, but more of a uh, ring it or sling it vibe. I don't know, I like rhyming stuff. If that sounds interesting to you, Check out the show every Saturday through Visionaries Global Media and the Shining Wizards Network. And thank you again to Will for supporting the show on Patreon. We seriously appreciate it and hope that you enjoy the extra stuff as well. Uh, if you want to be awesome like Will, check us out on patreon.com slash none of my friends like comics. And now on with the show. Welcome to None of My Friends Like Comics. This is a podcast where a comic book enthusiast talks to a friend about a piece of work in the medium, and we break it down to see if that friend, a first-time reader, will pull it or drop it. This is Fantastic 2024, also known as the, I don't know, like the Hickman Hole in my head Ooh. for this thing I made up, <laughs> uh, where we are diving headfirst into Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four run in its entirety. I'm your host, Nick Poffenbarger, and my co-hosts on this journey are Raging Max Ravenscroft. <sighs> Astonishing Chris Ashlock. Wow. And the ever-loving blue-eyed Brett Scott. How many holes does Hickman have? He's got at least three. <laughs> I'm going to say upwards of five. You gotta he's got to no, say like have at least seven. He's got a pee hole, How many a butt holes? hole, two ear holes. How many holes does Hickman have? A mouth have? hole and two ear holes. So that's that's at least seven holes. Yeah. I'm sure he's got them all. Good chance. I would guess. Would you consider the eye socket a hole? No. Okay. I don't like where this is going. A, a plugged hole. Maybe. What about pores? Pores are holes. If you can't get all the way into the core, then it's not a hole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, guys, we are here. We're doing it. Today begins our journey into some Jonathan Hickman. Goodness, my favorite comic book writer of all time. And what a way to start the year. Are you guys excited? Hell yeah. yeah. I thought recently you were saying that maybe Jeff Lemire was your favorite of all time. He's pretty good. Uh, he's up there. He's up there for would sure. You, would you say they duel for favorite? No. No. <laughs> I, I think Hickman is pretty firmly up top. Is Hickman your favorite because mostly of his Marvel stuff? That was a big part of it. But like, would you compare his like non-Marvel stuff? Would you, do you like it as much? Oh yeah. If okay. if not, sometimes more, I think, than his Marvel stuff. But the Marvel stuff was my introduction to him and uh, was definitely like my favorite thing for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I, I just, I just love him as a creator, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, this is what I've been uh, wanting to do or get to during the entire duration of this show basically was the Jonathan Hickman stuff. Um, so yes, Jonathan Hickman's fantastic four today is the prelude portion, uh, where we are covering dark rain, fantastic four, one through five and Hickman's contributions to the 2009 cabal one shot. 
Uh, yeah, let's just get right into it, boys. Uh, this book comes to us from Marvel Comics. It premiered with issue one in March of 2009 and concluded with issue five in July of 2009. The Cabal one shot that we are covering came out in the middle of this in April of 2009, but works best as an epilogue. So we're going to go over it last. That's how it's structured in the omnibus anyway. Uh, written by Jonathan Hickman. Art by Sean Chin for the Dark Rain issues and by Adi Grunov for the Cabal story. Inks by Lorenzo Ruggiero. Colors by John Rausch and lettered by Russ Wooten and Chris Eliopoulos for the Cabal story. Uh, for a non-spoiler description and a little bit of context here, and I know we're going to go through a lot of this in the story, so just bear with me here. But uh, Dark Rain is upon us. But what does that mean? Well, after Secret Invasion, which was an event that saw the shape-shifting scroll aliens infiltrate and almost take over the Earth, Norman Osborn, the former Green Goblin at this time, was seen as a hero. Because at the end of that story, they have like a camera crew, right? And they're like showing the heroes like fighting back and stuff like that. But Norman is shown like leading the charge and he kind of like manipulates the narrative to kind of uh, get himself over. Shows him taking out the queen, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. What yeah. about the last 40 years of people he's killed? Oh, like, I mean, terrorist well, attacks. they let him out of jail. Oh, so he did his time. Sure. Yeah. It, you know, people could change. That's fair. I, this would have been I respect rehabilitation for me to know. He's got to get out of jail so he can fight Spider-Man We're going to go into it. Don't worry. Uh, But yeah, um, basically, Norman was seen as a hero. And as a result, Tony Stark Iron Man was ousted as the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. because he was the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of during and right after Civil War. Um, Norman gets put into power and changes the World Peacekeeping Organization uh, to Hammer. It has its own acronym. It's really dumb. They just wanted to call it something different. Uh Uh, But that's S.H.I.E.L.D. (laughs) So uh, he has a whole crew of Dark Avengers that are all former criminals kind of being forced to serve him and stuff and uh, or just like his buddies. It's like Thunderbolts, right? Uh, yeah, except for they're bad guys not even really trying to be good. Okay. Just, <laughs> like, this would be like making O.J. Simpson the president. Like, no, no. <laughs> well, he's, he's cool. Weren't they at some point? <laughs> he got out of jail. It's fine. I'm not sure when this takes place, but when Norman Osborn stepped into that role, wasn't he having them actually dress up as those it was oh, like yeah. Eddie Brock as Spider-Man. Well, that or... happens in this. It's confused the shit out of me. Yeah. Well, well, we'll, we'll in get this, to that. though, they're in their... I don't remember. The spider... Yeah. The Whoever's Venom is Spider-Man in his black suit in this. And I was like... Yeah. But they call him on the Dark Avengers. He's Spider-Man. Yeah. Can I just so, say real quick? Oh, it's Bullseye as Hawkeye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bullseye as okay. Hawkeye, yeah. yeah. The original black Spider-Man symbiote suit with the little white uh, hand things. Mm-hmm. That's the best suit design in history. It's, it's so great. fucking cool. It's really good. Was that Todd McFarlane? No. Oh. It was uh, Mike Zeck who first drew that. I appreciate Mike Zeck. Yeah. I guess the Jim Shooter, the um, editor-in-chief of Marvel at that time, uh, bought that idea from like a fan <laughs> for like 200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> That's how much, uh, oh, what's his fucking name? Who wrote all the Ozzy Osbourne songs? <laughs> Bob Daisley. That's how much Bob Daisley got for yeah. Bark at the Moon. They're like, well, they paid my mortgage this month. Like, <laughs> the, uh, the Witcher <laughs> series, the author thought computer games were stupid in like 1997. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he sold the rights to the books to the uh, CD Projekt Red for $10,000. And then deal. now- you know, it's, it's like sold a, like 50 million copies and it's like a worldwide phenomenon. And he's like, fuck, I bet he, <laughs> I bet he calls him every day and they just don't answer. No, I think I think they actually resettled it or something. And now he's like helping write their next Witcher game. I think he them. threatened to sue them or something. Probably did. And they were like, bro, you saw the contract and you fucking signed it. And he told us to go fuck ourselves and that we were nerds and virgin <laughs> losers. He games are gay and that you're mad because we made all the money and no one gives a shit about your books. <laughs> That's li- that, that is literally <laughs> what happened. He came to them because he got tired of people uh, 
going, oh yeah, I love that game. And none of them ever said the books. And he's like, what is this? They don't like my books. They like games. Games are from Virgin Losers. The invader who did the the song for The Witcher 2. The They're just like, there's a book. They did. <laughs> Vader did a song for a Witcher game. Yeah, it was called The Witcher. And it it's was, called Lord of the Sword. Yeah, and he goes, I am the Lord and master of the sword. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't That's know fucking that. awesome. <laughs> it's, it's the the official song. video has clips of like the fucking... You know, PC game. <laughs> that makes, in the game. It's the intro to the Witcher One game. No, <laughs> nothing. <video. laughs> nothing will beat. That's pretty good. It doesn't top uh, Blind Guardian and shitty computer models for a sacred, for sacred world. For sacred yeah. Worlds. yeah, that was great. It was. Yeah, I love how that was the only way you could hear the new song for a while, and then they were like, that video. and then they were like, "We'll just put it on the new album." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great song. But anyways, Fantastic Four. Yeah. So, needless to say, all of that, the Marvel universe is in kind of a weird place at this point. Uh, but at least Fantastic Four are together, uh, trying to pick up the pieces from the last several years. Marvel's first family moved back into the Baxter Building, but all is not right, particularly with Reed Richards, Mister Fantastic. You see, Reed feels guilty and remorse. Uh, for everything that has kind of happened up to this point, but Reed is no slouch. He's a problem solver, so he opts to do the unthinkable, find a way to solve every problem. But things get more complicated in a world where Norman Osborn has power and the Fantastic Family is about to get caught in the crossfire. I'll save more of the context stuff for when we actually break down the issues, but um, uh, going to the first experience stuff real quick. Let's get a baseline as well uh, real quick. Tell me what your experience is with uh, the Fantastic Four before this. Max, we'll start with you. Um, wasn't there a cartoon? In the nineties, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, I watched the movies, the Jessica Alba movies, and the um, I actually watched the first one when it came out, and I watched the second one for the first time like five years ago. And you know, they're fun, they're bad, but they're they're pretty fun. Um, but other than that, I don't know anything about the Fantastic Four. It's all right, Brett. I had some kind of masterworks or um, essentials. Remember the black and yeah, white? yeah, the big phone books of yeah black and white reprints. Yeah, yeah so I read. A lot of the really, really early stuff that was like their the original Silver Age, like goofy ass comic book. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. Yeah. Real quick. When when did the like when did they start? 1962. Okay, It's the first like comic in like the Marvel Universe proper. Really? Yeah. It's the one that kind of they build off from. I mean, like there were previous Marvel comics like uh, they had done the name change already by that point. But um, weren't they called Marvel's first family or something? Yeah. Something like they that. They should have been yeah. called the Marvelous Mini instead of the Fantastic Four. Maybe. They already had Adapt the that, Josh Trank. <laughs> the Marvelous Mini. The Marvelous <laughs> Mini. They were they were a totally different thing for the time. And like I really respect yeah. the Fantastic Four. Yeah. I love the Fantastic Four and I love that original run as well. Like yeah. the Jack Kirby Stan Lee stuff. Um it's just uh <clears throat> it's just good comics. You can never beat Mole Man blinded by the diamonds in his subterranean hell. But he survived. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the same Mole Man? It is. Daredevil's uh, ass. Yeah. Yeah. How can you beat Mole Man? He, I mean, he's still around. Not that's even, what that poster is. Yeah. He, it's, even, that's the Daredevil beginning of the Mark Wade run. Yeah. That's Mole Man. It's so, Mole Man's that, been blind for way longer than that Daredevil. That poster is so fucking That's cool. why there's such a good fight. And then Mole Man looks so dumb. But that poster <laughs> he's is like wearing amazing. like 80s 3D goggles. <laughs> yeah. Like but, the, not even, but not even Daredevil can beat him. See? I see it. You can't I beat feel, him. I feel like he's the one Marvel character that's like never had a redesign. <laughs> like they just draw him the same for I can imagine them sitting down to redesign him and they just go, mm, Matt rocked nah. a leaper went a pretty long time, but they finally got him in, in Winter Soldier. Yeah. 
I love when we saw that movie and I and I had already seen it, but I was seeing it with you and, and fucking you were like, is that the leaper? What do you fucking and I, like? You're like, they called him Batroc. And I was like, I was like, just wait. And then Je m'appelle Batroc. He did the thing where he jumped and you were like, oh, he's using his legs. <laughs> you know what was, I love it when my really niche, like the, the handful of 1962 comics that I've read comes into play. You know, it was, he really was more of a fun. hopper in Winter Soldier. He did that one big jump. Yeah, it was a big job, oh, but it sure. wasn't really a leaper. It was pretty cool. You it know, was some cool, like, flip kicks. Yeah, yeah. Uh. You know what was really well done was the callback to 70s Luke Cage in the Luke Cage show. <clears throat> I don't. I remember seeing him in the costume and, the, like, the flashbacks, but I don't remember Yeah, he's like, he's been in prison for a long time, and he's got, like, a big afro. Yeah, and the tiara and, then, and shit. Yeah, it, it, they did it really well, where it was, it was, like, you know, it was a cameo, and it was forced, but it was, like, fun. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't, like forcing on it I, I appreciated that but i also hated that they were like he says something like you look like a damn fool and it's like okay cool he's he's like luke cage for a second but they're also like looking at the audience and going hey you want that you suck what are you some kind of power man nah <laughs> put him in a hoodie hell yeah at least and just kill the yellow shirt. Then kill the okay. really, really good villain on episode five and have oh, more God. be about, what was it, Sidewinder? Diamondback. Diamondback. Sidewinder. That, That's a good Silver Age bad guy name, though. That, dude, <laughs> that show took the most hard left turn. Just It was so good. And it, was it was so, so good. Bad. And then he shows up in that fucking, like, suit. Oh, God, yeah. That and he's like, he's I like, shot you, Luke Cage. He's like, I'm a... I'm a snake man or whatever. <laughs> that guy fucking shows up and he's like, I'm back, Luke. I'm back to haunt you. And he's like, oh my God, it's that guy. Well, we don't know who he is for like six episodes. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> well, Chris, what, <laughs> what, was your, what, happened? what was your previous experience with the Fantastic Basically Four? like both these guys, I just saw the cartoons and the movies. Uh, Do you ever read any Fantastic Four? I don't know that I've ever read. I have actually. I had one issue of Fantastic Four that I bought years ago at, you guys remember Toys R Us? <clears throat> they had like these assorted packs of comics you could buy that were just like random shit, random yeah. issues from the 60s and 70s. They and do whatever. that at Walmart now with DC stuff. Oh, okay. But it's like more modern books, but it'll be like the books from the past few months. These or were old and random as shit, and uh, none of them were very good, but it was an issue of Fantastic Four that had. Some character on the cover, not a member of the Fantastic Four. It just looks like a, a like a normal woman in a house. And I, I read it. I don't remember what it was about. It was really weird. But the cartoon, I was always like bummed out that that was on and not Iron Man because Iron Man had a cooler theme song. <laughs> Dude, the Fantastic Four theme song is is everlasting and evergreen. How <laughs> how like far off were the movies from like? I guess just a typical Fantastic Four story. I think they were just dumb, but they oh. weren't like... They were dumb, but they... They were accurate. I feel like they encapsulated the core of the characters pretty well, besides Sue. But I also don't feel like they really... <laughs> I also don't feel like they really got Sue as like an actual character until like the last 20 years. What I remember... <laughs> like in the comics. I have seen the Roger Corman one too. Also, Johnny was a 35-year-old teen. Yeah. He's, yeah. He was dating models and stuff though. Yeah. I remember when the first. It would have been too silly if they just if she just brought her baby brother onto the rocket ship, Brett. I know, Chris. Are you talking about <laughs> bring the back movie, boys the TV movie, <laughs> the one they made and didn't release so they yeah. could keep the rights? So when the original, when the very first Fox one was still in theaters, I came across that Roger Corman Fantastic Four film on a file sharing site, and I was like, "Yo, someone ripped fucking Jessica Alba Fantastic Four and put it on Kazar or whatever," <laughs> and then downloaded it and got this like crappy looking 
but they look like the comic and then John, but then Johnny's like on fire, but it's a bad CG model. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I was like, someone just made a Fantastic Four film. And then, yeah, I found out years later, like, no, they had Roger Corman make one and dump it so they could retain the rights. Dude, have you ever heard of the Canadian live action Gundam movie from the 90s? G-Savior. It's, it's rough. It's horrible. But anyways, all I remember <laughs> from Rise of the Silver Surfer was that Silver Surfer looked fucking awesome. There's he does that part good. where he like. Is Doug Jones playing him too? And uh, Lawrence Fishburne did the voice, right? Yeah. The yeah. Silver Surfer one was less good because Galactus was just was a like fart a cloud. cloud. Yeah. And they, te- remember- they even tease you, too, when they show him go past the moon. He ha- they- It's in the-, the shadows and the shape of the helmet. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? And then fucking, yeah, he's just a cloud. Uh, I didn't know that they actually had, a. I guess it was Doug Jones in a suit playing him. I thought the Silver Surfer was all CG, but no, he was in yeah, a suit. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I bet that CG looks really good now, too. Like, because I remember it looked pretty amazing. When I, watched I watched it, it like last year, and yeah, I mean, it, it still looks pretty good. <clears throat> are they on Disney? I think, yeah. Because I know those are Fox. Yeah, I mean, they should be, right? I mean, do they have the X Men movies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they have those. Bummer. Add to my history. I had a toy from I think Wendy's, and it was the thing in like a metal box, and you hit a switch, and he like broke the box open. Fuck yeah! So that's, <laughs> it's like deeply in my my membranes. Yeah. Before, go ahead. You, you're. I'm gonna let you tell me your history. But before we get into the story proper, will you tell us the origins of their powers? I mean, they got hit by cosmic rays. That's it. Yeah. Okay. And then they came back down, crashing down to Earth in the most peculiar ways. You saw the movie. I don't remember. (laughs) All you need is the fucking the 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 theme song from the cartoon. Fucking Reed Richards is the last year (laughs) who can fade from sight. Johnny is the human torch. And the thing just loves to fight. That did confuse me when she like busts out like art. psychic prisms and stuff. I thought, oh, force fields. That's it's about as good as invisible. butt ugly Martians. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it gets the point across. Biker mice from Mars. <laughs> yeah. Remember SWAT cats? Oh, yeah. That fucking intro. That show was dark. How about Street Sharks, you guys? Loved it. Uh, good stuff. But yeah. Uh, I wasn't actually, I didn't really think about my history with the Fantastic Four, uh, but um, I've read, I up to this point, I had read like the first like 20 issues of Fantastic Four uh, before I got to like this run. And I had seen the movies, the Jessica Alba ones. Um, and I always, I, I don't know, I guess like kind of like Superman, like when you're growing up, like you kind of think it's like hokey and a little lame, but like the Fantastic Four, for whatever reason, I was always like, oh, it's kind of cool. They're like a family. Like there was just a wholesomeness to that that I enjoyed. And I read like the first 20 issues only really because I was trying to get into Marvel. And that was still in my phase where I was like, I guess I start from fucking 1962. <laughs> and Ooh. I just started reading stuff. Yeah. I probably like comics. That's more correct. If I didn't do that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I like, but I like unironically liked a lot of the issues. I, I like they were 60 fun. years of reading the deal. And really like reading those first like 10 issues, especially <clears throat> is so telling of like the Marvel universe because those character traits of all these characters you see are still relevant. And they're, they're truly a blueprint for like everything to come after, you know, like these characters are still like those characters and not in a bad way. Like they've changed and progressed and done stuff. But like, I think it's cool that like, they're just they're just everlasting and wasn't the there. Human Torch a different guy? Yeah, yeah, we talked about that in the Marvels episode. The original Human Torch from the uh, late right. '30s was uh, an android. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Named Jim Hammond. Are uh, are the Fantastic Four then maybe a good example of how you modernize something like Superman and bring it up through the ages without changing it? Well, I think you know? it, I think in the comics, especially the last like ten years with Superman, I think they've done a really good job. Well, yeah, they've they got their shit back, but yeah. there was that period for a while. I guess 
I guess we're out of that period, so we don't have to uh, commiserate over it anymore. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I, well, he got his trunks back. Yes, he did. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, I just, I just wanted to get that kind of out of the way so that we kind of know like where we're coming from with uh, the Fantastic Four. But what did you all expect going into this book then, uh, Max? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> at all. I don't know what Fantastic Four is about. So, okay. Yeah. No, I just mean like, you know, okay. From, expect- for, even from my hype of him. I mean, I expected that. I tried to rein it good. I tried to rein it a little, at least. I mean, well, you've been ranting about Hickman. I mean, when the X Men (laughs) stuff was, we would get like weekly updates. You'd be like, I can't fucking believe what's happening. It's so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I was very excited. But yeah, Brett, what'd you expect going into this one? I didn't really have any expectations. I know what Fantastic Four is, but I don't know what Jonathan Hickman is. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't, I don't know where he's going to take it. Chris? I went in expecting something. That even even if I didn't like it, I figured it would be of quality because you've always talked about this run. And I don't remember when you approached me about like doing this, but I intentionally have held off on reading this just because we were waiting for this. Yeah. So I asked me if I knew of a good Fantastic Four run. Okay, yeah, yeah. this would always be my answer. So then I've been anticipating this for however long since that conversation. What else has Jonathan Hickman done? So um, yeah, yeah, just reference the Hickman hole. <laughs> the Hickman shelf, yeah. Which oh, hole? He's got well, so many holes. Well, that's that's the his Marvel stuff up there. So like, uh, without the X Men stuff, that's all down with the X Men. But um, so Hickman is probably most well known for doing like this Fantastic Four run, his Avengers run that came after that, and uh, the X Men more recently in in more recent years. So like, all the high profile Marvel stuff is what probably got his him? Most did he do stuff. Cat Beast? I think by the time by the time he got hold of x-men they had already kind of wheeled that back a little bit was he doing even worse evil beast and he didn't handle beast very much that went straight to x-force he didn't have pedophile beast he's not there yet you know what let's just fuck this guy Wait, up so more. what got him to be given a fucking four thousand issue mainline series yeah yeah so um at this point in time Hickman was still a relative newcomer to comics. Uh, he actually was a uh, marketing uh, graphic designer uh, before this. And uh, he got to be about like, I think he was 30 years old or 31. And he said, you know what? I've like basically saved enough money. I'm going to give myself until I'm 35 to break into comics. And if it doesn't work, I'll go back. And then like he, he just did it. And uh, fucking... Like he started off and he did like his own like kind of mini series over at Image that got picked up. The first one was called The Nightly News and he did the art and everything. And it's it's very weird art. It looks like a graphic designer did it because he's not like he himself will be like, I'm not like a great artist, you know, but like I can like design stuff and then kind of like, you know, draw over. Is that what you think drawing looks like, Nick? Is holding a fist out? (laughs) I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But (laughs) he's miming. Yeah. That's all right. It's just funny looking. But he always looks funny. Funny as in really cool (laughs) but yeah like basically he uh he did a few series that kind of caught you know wind over from image and whatnot and so marvel uh had picked him up and he did like some one-off issues for them i forget like you know maybe like some anthology books but then uh he got pulled on as co-writer of a book called secret warriors with brian michael bendis who was super fucking hot at the time who was like becoming the main marvel guy at that point and uh Bendis, after the first arc of that book, actually left the title and Hickman just kept writing it and it went like 30 issues and it was like pretty well received. And uh, then Fantastic Four 
right before Hickman, right before this book we're talking about today, was uh, actually given to the Ultimates team of Mark Miller and uh, <laughs> and Brian Hitch. That would have been really bad. And they were like, do what you did with the Ultimates, but like make Fantastic Four cool again. And they did like 14, 15 issues. It did not go well. Did, People did not like it. <laughs> and did, uh, did Mr. Fantastic say, fuck you, bitch? He did not. Punch I actually reread that in preparation for this because Hickman actually uses in a later story that we'll cover uh, direct reference to that run. So like it's kind of important to know, but um, I'll just explain it to you guys. I'm not going to make you read it. But uh, either way, leading into this, like, you know, they were like, oh, well, let's give him a shot on Fantastic Four because, you know, even though he was a relative newcomer, he had shown that he could, you know, produce a good narrative and work well, like, you know, on his own at that point. So yeah, that's kind of like how he ended up there at least. But, um, I remember when I first read this run, it was like 2012, 2013. And I was really starting to get my grip on what was going on with like modern Marvel comics. Like I was about to start, or I had already started buying like a couple of series monthly, but I wasn't like fully, it was too big. Like I didn't know everything that was, was this when on. you had the battle world poster. That was after. Okay. A few years after, but, um, uh, I remember this brand new Avengers series launched and it was uh, written by Jonathan Hick. I had also seen his name because of there was a, a new image book that had just come out that was making waves at that point called East of West. And I was interested in reading Avengers, but everything I saw online was like, read his Fantastic Four run. It's amazing. You know, like and everybody was ranting about it. So like in late 2013, I remember picking up this Dark Rain trade and the first East of West trade on the same day. And my world was shook. It was shook, guys. But uh, I think it, it was shaken. Yeah, it was actually more of a gradual uh, intrigue for me. But I quickly realized how special this run was. And I remember looking up like reading orders. It was like the first time I really did that, like where I was like, how do I read this? Because eventually, slight spoilers, this book becomes two different series going back and forth. Um, but uh, I had to like look up like what order do I read this in? You know, <laughs> like and, and I was just really excited to like dive into each part. And it was just it was the most fulfilling like superhero comic I'd ever read at that point. Why does Marvel got to do that? Where they're like, they're like, here's seven different Spider-Man series running concurrently. Because you got to catch up, Max. (laughs) But like, really? No, I know. It's very confusing and it's not a good business model. I bet they've got three names that actually make money. Well, and like, what's the point of it? Is it to just tell like little side stories? Did well for for example like Spider Man sometimes those series will intertwine and do like a crossover where it's like you know part one two three four like are all different books but a lot of the time they're just telling their own stories and yeah they're probably going on around the same time like it's so weird yeah it's just like whichever one you prefer you're like oh I like this one where he's fighting Craven right now or whatever you know like it's so I know I I've, I've probably asked you this nine hundred times and I forget but what is your favorite Hickman thing is it East of West that that is probably always alternating for me. But East of West is really up there, especially since I just did a big reread of it recently. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, um, I don't know. This book, like Fantastic Four Run, <laughs> it set a real standard for me in mainstream superhero comics. And I won't say any more. We can just jump on into it. But uh, 30 minutes in. Yeah. Get right into yeah, it. Let's get right into it. Yeah, this is a get, like, get right into it moment for this. But uh, yeah, so let's just jump into it. This is the story section of the show where we recap the book at hand, beat for beat, tell you what we thought along the way. That means full spoilers ahead. You have been warned from here on out. Uh, so this story starts off and we immediately get put in the Baxter building at the Fantastic Four's New York headquarters. Uh, we see Reed Richards working on a machine and we get his narration, which says... It began a week after the Skrull invasion. It's what happened three days after Norman Osborn took control, the day the Fantastic Four returned to the Baxter building. It was the day I committed myself, crossing the threshold, and a moment of clarity defined who I was. A moment of truth, a single fact. I caused all of this, and all of humanity, my family, 
my children. They suffer for it. They live in a world I created. Uh, we also get the title of this arc at this point, which is called The Bridge. And right away, I think that this opening sequence, uh, I think Hickman gives his kind of mission statement for this run. Um, uh, this book slash run is mainly told through Reed, uh, and it's going to be a super serial ride. So is is it like a common thread that Reed is super arrogant and like pompous? <laughs> so uh, he plays with that a lot because they're up until kind of this point... Um, he had been represented as unequivocally the smartest Marvel character. Like, you know, he's the, he's the top guy, you know, but he's also always portrayed as like the perfect husband, the perfect guy. Like, you know, it's like he's humble and we're really getting into like the psyche of him at this point, which makes him more questionable, which I think is like a really interesting seed to plant this early in the mm -hmm. run but it is something that he constantly plays with like during the course of the book he humanized him yeah yeah and i think it's really cool <laughs> honestly like i it, like i think that he gets the character or at least like the, his interpretation of the character reed richards uh i think this is like the best version possible like reed is undeniably smart and clever but there's always like that hint of like a god complex or that lingering feeling that he could go overboard at any moment i really like that I think it's cool. I'm sure there's what if stories where he becomes like a Dr. Doom. There's 10,000 of those. Yes. Yeah. It's like. Who's smarter? <clears throat> Dr. Doom or Reed Richards? Reed always has the power of family on his side. But <laughs> That's true. who's got the power of magic? Doom. Who's got Easy win. the second coolest comic book design of all time? Who's the first? Black Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. You said that already. But then Dr. Doom looks so fucking cool. He does. He looks great. Where would you name put? in all comics. Where what? would you. Where Best you, name in all of comics. Oh my god! For sure. <laughs> now you go. Where would you put Italian Spider-Man on that list? <laughs> Is that Spider-Man with like a chef hat and a mustache? You haven't seen you Italian Spider-Man? <laughs> no. Ingrati Italian Spider-Man. Italian Spider-Man. Romance. A chubby guy with a mustache. He has a, he has a gun and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a guy with like shoulder-length black hair, a mustache, wearing a domino mask, and then a red shirt with a shitty spider painted on it. And he shoots people with a shotgun. Pause the podcast and look up Italian Spider-Man. Dude, I saw a fucking... Ben and now Ra you're back? A Ben Riley <laughs> run from like... I don't know when, but it was it was Ben Riley just fucking shooting people. <laughs> and then riding a motorcycle. He has a mullet and shit. People, were the yeah. people in the comments were like, this was not a good run. <laughs> If they don't have Italian Spider-Man show up for like a millisecond in that next Spider-Verse film, what's the fucking point of those movies? That's true. Is it a is it a joke? It's it's a joke. It's it's uh like it's on YouTube. It's a joke someone made. Okay, I didn't know if but it just, was like someone trying to be like badass. It looks cool. real. No, 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 no. It's it's like it looks like something they could have done in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it's basically pause. It's like what if uh, instead of Japan making a Spider-Man film in the seventies, it, Italy did it, gotcha. and it's like an Italy seventies crime film. It's gotcha. akin to have you seen uh, USSR Lord of the Rings? Oh, God. <laughs> I've seen we watched some of that together. Yeah. It, look that up now. Breaks okay. my fucking head, that thing. And you're back. Um, <laughs> see, but, uh, so at this point, um, we cut to see Valeria and Franklin Richards, Sue and Reed's kids being taken to the Baxter building. And they are all stoked to be coming home. Uh, Alicia Masters is with them as well, being a babysitter while the Fantastic Four are finishing prepping the building for their arrival. Uh, if you need a quick rundown of the dynamic Valeria is a is the younger sibling. She's like three or four years old and as smart as her dad. That's a four year old. Yeah, she's she's super young. And, uh, and that's a 10 year old. Yeah, but she's 
she's super. Well, <laughs> I mean, whatever. like the drawn. That is not what a four year old. She's looks got like. super four year old height. Yeah, that's seen true. A, the height of two four year olds. Seen David Lynch's Nightmare Dune movie. The little sister in that same thing. <laughs> I've never yeah. seen the whole. It's thing. like that. It is a lot like Alia. Yeah, yeah. just don't. It's a lot like Alia from Dune. So she's four. How old is um Franklin? Franklin's he's probably two. He, <laughs> no, he, no, he's older. He's actually ten, but is actually two. <laughs> yeah, but basically Valeria is as smart as like her dad, and uh, is pretty like you know no nonsense and stuff. Uh, Franklin's about I think he's supposed to be like eight or nine, maybe ten. And he's uh, relatively more normal in personality. And he's dressed as a cowboy and just loves hanging out and playing and stuff. Um, <laughs> These kids are better spoken and, uh, I don't know, wiser than any adult I've ever met in real life. They're Reed Richards and Sue Storm's kids. I guess, but wouldn't wouldn't they be like weirdos that hang out in fucking science labs all day? I don't know. They frankly don't care about science. So who's Alicia Masterson? Alicia Masters is the daughter of the puppet master. Brett would love that. Uh, but what's um, Puppet Master? Is he the Brotherhood? No, Puppet Master was the Fantastic Four villain, the bald guy who made uh like puppets of the Fantastic Four and it controlled them with secret nice. putty voodoo power. Yeah, yeah. But Alicia was blind, but she was such a good sculptor, and she could she could make perfect oh, sculptures. Alicia, that's the thing's uh girlfriend. Yeah, yeah now they they are currently married in the comics. But yeah, is she still good blind? For him. Yeah, good for them. Huh? Is she still blind? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I uh know much like Professor X. One day she just opened her eyes and went, "I can see now." Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if that reference is on the podcast or not. Uh, Franklin strikes me as someone who has like genius level intellect, but doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And just wants to play cowboys. I respect that. That is very Franklin. Yes. OK. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. We cut to the Baxter building proper and Ben Grimm, the thing and Johnny Storm, the human torch are watching as their home doom bots try to put everything together. Uh, it's a fun little scene where Ben keeps yelling at the Doombots for not putting things in the right place while Johnny laments about losing all the phone numbers to all the women that he has dated over the years. Aww. I think that's kind of fun. But um, <laughs> So why, <laughs> why did he lose all the phone numbers? Yeah, why, why did they get destroyed? So they were on the run. Like, they're coming back to the Baxter building at this point. This is like post-Civil War and stuff and post-Initiative. And so they were on the run for a little while. And then it's like, okay, everything's kind of cooling down. We can go back home and we're going to be a family again. Because they were actually split up for a while as well. Because Reed was pro red <clears throat> Registration and Sue was part of the rebellion, basically. So, so this is post Civil War, pre Google Cloud. Yes. So, who was sleeping on the couch? <laughs> was it Reed or Sue? Oh, it's got to be Reed <laughs> if he sleeps at all. But yeah, uh, Sue comes in to kind of chastise them for not helping. They tell her to chill, and she mentions how at least Reed is doing his part. Then the Doombots start to go away to another part of the building. They follow and find the bots all gathering around Reed, and they're helping him uh, put together a machine, not something on the current chore list. Okay. I do not mean to derail us, but I have to ask this, because the Fantastic Four have Doom bots in their building. Is this the point at which they're, like, cool with Doctor Doom? Because he's, like, their daughter's step, uh, what do you call him, godfather? Yeah. Or yeah. They're cooler. Okay. it's He's Valeria's godfather, yes. Why? Because uh, he <laughs> uh, delivered her. Why? Because everyone else was incapacitated, <clears throat> and so he saved Valeria's life and named her, and then became his godfather. Or why? Godfather. Uh, why? <laughs> uh, they were in like they were trapped in the negative zone or something. Okay, I won't go further. Yeah. I know it'll go back to 1962. It's it's decently far back, but yeah. Now, Nick, I have some comic book questions. <laughs> can Wolverine cut through the thing's rock skin? No. <laughs> Who can? Why not? Uh, you, you're saying adamantium isn't tougher than his rock skin? He's one of the toughest, but I think some some stuff has like chipped him before. Thing just loves to fight. Does he have like meat underneath his rocks? Uh, he could, 
or is he all rocks? Colossus. I think it's more like his his organs are made of rocks. Does he have meat really? under his rocks? Yeah. Okay. Everything turned to rock. Could you drill between the rock shell, uh, you know, Jesus fragments? How does he still have eyes if he's made of rocks? They're rock eyes. They're rock eyes, yeah. <laughs> but no, I was wondering, could, if, has anyone like sliced him and Twain before? What if he needs a transplant? I don't think anyone's ever like cut him like that. I, I know that I've seen like panels of like, or red stories where it's like he gets a piece of him like knocked off or something. Uh-huh. But like, could he drown? I don't know. Does he like? <laughs> does he like regenerate his pieces that have fallen off? No, 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 no. He no. always had. He always when they go into space and stuff. He always has the the air helmet on. So I bet he could drown. I feel like it'd be really easy to take him to a seven foot deep swimming pool. Just push him in. He's super strong though. Has there ever been a period all the time? Slip him in. Get a slip and slide. <laughs> I wonder if anyone's ever asked Stanley this question, and if he was just like. Go go get a hobby, you nerd. <laughs> I'm going to leave it up to your imagination. Yeah. Uh, it's up last to you, question. young crime fighter. Mm-hmm. Has you always, has, has there ever been a time where his rocks were a different color? Probably. I, I can't think of one off the top I can man. picture him being like gray, like gray Hulk. Yeah, that would make sense. Wait, who would win in a fight? Everyone's got a gray version. They fight all the time. <laughs> Green thing. Who's stronger though? I don't know. It depends on Nick, what about right. Colossus? What about him? <laughs> Versus Thing. Thing. Really? Yeah. Colossus is so strong. He's very strong, Brett. I will say. Do you think Cyclops, like, if he had full power of his eye lasers, do you think he could cut through the thing? No. They're concussive. They don't cut. Interesting. If <clears throat> the thing is rock, Wolverine is scissors, who's paper? Paper man. Hulk? Why would Hulk be paper? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Does it have to be a weak person? No, paper it's, tears? It's got to be like a paper-themed hero. Oh. No, I didn't you could pick a person together. who's about trees, about pulped, pulped tree man. Yeah. It's not rock, paper, tree. <laughs> but tree rock, turns into rock, paper. Pa- man tree thing seems. could... Tree's a cooler power than paper, though. Man thing could bring a portable tree processing plant <laughs> and make some paper. He could. So here's the deal. They go <laughs> They go to find... They're like, where's Reed? Yeah. He's working on science. Yeah. He, he says that he had an idea, and Sue is reasonably pissed, but uh, he goes on to explain how inspiration just kind of struck him, and uh, Reed has a list of problems to solve. So he came up with a big device that will theoretically enable him to look into other realities and see how other Earths dealt with their problems. This is the most comic book shit. Just, yeah. I had an idea and I made this and it's <laughs> dimension called, hopper. And it's called the bridge. Is this uh, a, is this an inspiration for um, Dr. Strange's fight with Thanos? Do you remember in that I movie? think I think they, I was thinking about that earlier today. I think they lifted that. Yeah, it's the same concept. Mm -hmm. Especially later on when he gets into the uh, parameters of which he starts searching and stuff. Like, are you talking about when Doctor Strange goes through like the realities Mm -hmm. and he sees all the possible outcomes? Yeah, Yeah. I think (laughs) I think this was definitely inspiration because a lot of uh, inspiration comes from Hickman's Avengers and Fantastic Four work for the MCU. I think now, really, yeah, a lot of stuff they reference and everything is like, oh, that's a Hickman thing. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, he goes on to say that the bridge that he built has its own power source that generates a uh, containment field for the surrounding area, but he's a bit worried about it spilling over. So he has the Baxter Buildings generator acting as a duplicate power source to create its own kind of barrier. And I missed that. Line. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And so Sue is like, come on, man. Like, this <clears throat> this has to be today and, and right now, you know? And But Reed states his case, and uh, he says he has to know why everything has gone so wrong, and he feels that he has a responsibility to learn why and fix it. So it's here, though. That a contingent of armored soldiers bust into the Baxter building, saying that since the Fantastic Four are no longer a part of the initiative, they are going to be shut down. He'll cut back to Reed and the rest of the four. Sue again pleads and asks why Reed has to do this now. He puts on a suit to enter the bridge, tells her that he knows every problem can be solved. Every question has an answer. He almost lost them, his family. 
and he needs to do this for his own sake as much as the world's. So no, it can't wait. And Sue says that, you know, this makes her nervous and asks him if he will hurry back, to which Reed says some science shit about how he isn't actually going anywhere and reality will shift around me and time works different, blah, blah, blah. And Susan tells him that's not what she meant. And Reed smiles and tells her, I will always come home. And he enters the bridge. That's also a very important uh, moment in this series that's reflected in a lot of the following stories, too. But um, the soldiers get to the front desk of the Baxter building at this point, setting off security alerts. Johnny sees them on the monitors, uh, he recognizes them as hammer agents. Uh, so, you know, Norman Osborne's goons. And Sue tells Ben and Johnny the three of them have to handle this quick before the kids arrive. However, one of the agents cuts the building's generator. And right as Valeria and Franklin are running up to the building, they see a giant flash towards the top of the Baxter building. And Valeria knows that it's something that her dad is up to. Uh, the emergency lights kick on and we see Sue, Ben and Johnny. They were like in the elevator going down to meet these guys. And uh, it has stopped. So Ben uses his strength to, you know, pry the doors open. But when they open it, they find themselves in prehistoric Marvel Earth with like dinosaurs, celestials, and I, I think deviants maybe in there as well. Uh, and uh, the first issue then ends with a shot of Reed. The field around the bridge is stabilized. He is cut off from what's going on outside. He puts his hand on the control system and says, OK, here we go. Let's have a look at everything. Yeah. So how how like many years after Civil War did this comic book come out? Like three Okay. But in, in the continuity of this, it's been like a year. Yeah, but yeah. I meant like like real world timeline. Yeah, about three years. So Secret Invasion was like right after Civil War? No, there was a lot of random events in between there. Like, uh, uh, But Secret Invasion had kind of just happened. <clears throat> gotcha. Like the Dark Reign was the, uh, was the, it was less than an event and it was more of like just a status quo. Like, you know, where it's like, oh, Norman Osborn's in charge. Let's have all the books reflect that for a while. But that was the aftermath of Secret Invasion. So that's just kind of what we're in right now. Was a uh, Secret Invasion like one of the more significant Marvel events, like just in recent times? Because it feels like so much of the Marvel stuff I have read, maybe coincidentally, stems from that or takes place to things that happen around it. I'll say this about Secret Invasion. There is a lot of like great character moments and a lot of like things that happen in that story that pushed a lot of up and coming characters like mm -hmm. more into the stratosphere. The book itself is pretty inconsequential. I've read it. I don't remember yeah, it. It's like they could have done anything with that, yeah. you know, but like they kind of they sort of dropped the ball with it, like with actually making it like really have lasting impact. Like it's reference. Sure. You know, like and, and they, they follow up on it, but it's not a book that like really stands the test of time in terms of being like super seminal. Well, that's so strange because I'm not a Marvel guy and yet I have all this knowledge around that event. Yeah. Just I from mean, all these books I've read that just deal with that shit. A lot of status quo shifts were happening, but that wasn't really because of that book. That's kind of that the show, the Secret Evasion show. It kind of just came out and everyone was like, this sucks. And then, <laughs> but it was like, had like crucial information, but everyone was like, man, this fucking sucks. Yeah. And now they're just like, whatever, <laughs> move on. Yeah. I don't know. Secret Evasion was, it's, it, it's, it's something, you know, it's, it's, I think it's good. I, I don't mind it, like, especially in the grand scheme of, like, Bendis's Avengers time, like, because that was during that. And it was cool. But, like, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, I just feel like it's one of those they could have done so much more with and they just kind of dropped the ball a little bit. That, you know what? <laughs> Call back to episode, like, fucking four. We did Ant-Man. Oh, that was during, Ant -Man, yeah. that was during Secret Invasion. Yeah. 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 Having, like, towards the tail end of that run. Yeah. Because yeah. we saw, like, him deal with, like, World War Hulk and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. It's cool stuff, but issue two starts off with Franklin threatening the agents who just came in with uh, his toy cap guns, and uh, there's a great interaction where Valeria tells him to say something tough, 
and he goes, listen up, Bucketheads. This is the Baxter building, home of the most awesome superheroes in the world. And if you know what's good for you, you'll turn around and leave. But I'm warning you, stay, and my sister is going to get to watch me kick your ass. To which Valeria goes, ooh, you're going to be in trouble. And I, I don't know. I really like that. But the, the guards take Franklin as uh, they don't they don't take him as a threat, basically. And uh, they say that they're going to take the kids into custody. But Valeria turns around and she has this threatening looking future gun with her. And she says that they will do no such thing. Uh, this frightens the agents and they end up saying that they just needed to shut down the power and give them an official notice. I also like how you can see on the paper that he hands them that it just says official notice on it. <laughs> um, this part was like <laughs> I had to kind of flip back and forth a little bit because they jump they like break through the windows and point guns at, and then they're like, we're going to have to fucking kill the fantastic four. Yeah. And then they hand a paper to their kids and leave. Yeah. Well, they were expecting resistance. Yeah. But it's such a weird, like I felt like I felt whiplash. Oh yeah. They're they're being, they're being run by crazy ass Norman Osborn. So, you know, they're just, this is a comedy moment. Fucking unhinged. But yeah, I also find it funny that after they leave, Valeria explains that the device that she actually held up to them, like to threaten them with, is just something that they can call the International Space Station with. It's not like a crazy weapon. Well, it's funny. You can, this is, this is, this comic book is so old. She's got a flip phone. Yes. Sticking out a part of it. Yep. 2008. (laughs) But yeah, uh, the kids then wonder where the rest of the family is as they should have been there by now. Um, And then we get to see in the ancient past, we catch back up with Sue, Johnny and Ben who are fighting every hostile thing I described before. Valeria says that she knows that Reed will figure out whatever is going on, but maybe they can help by trying to get the power back on back in the bridge. Reed cycles through his first visions of alternate realities. And uh, he pinpoints civil war as the start of everything going wrong. And uh, he activates the visualizer just as Valeria turns the power back on. And we see the place that Sue, Ben and Johnny are in go completely white as the bridge tells us space-time is being compressed. So Reed then starts to narrow things down. He asks the machine, after it's done scanning how many viewable realities enacted a superhuman registration act around the same time as his own, uh, it tells him, like, 12,435,018. And it's uh, he asks how many of those resulted in a conflict within the metahuman community, and it says about 3 million. Um, He then asks how many of those resulted in a peaceful resolution and it drastically drops down to tell him 418 to which he says, feed those into his brain. Can I ask real quick? Is this Jonathan Hickman firing shots at Mark Miller? (laughs) I I thought that that was kind of a funny thing where it's like civil war. This is where everything went fucking wrong. (laughs) But but I don't think that that's what he's doing. I think he's just referencing because like he's he's worked with Miller and with uh, Bendis closely who were like architecting everything at that point. What was the book we did where um, was it was was it it wasn't three jokers, was it? We did a DC book where you told me and Josh that it was very clearly like Flashpoint Beyond. Flashpoint Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just like whoever wrote this before was an idiot. Yeah. He's just, <laughs> John's is straight talking shit in that book, which yeah. is really funny. That's <laughs> right. Because he had like it had like the dir- direct continuum or whatever. <laughs> the direct continuum and the 5G averted and shit. Yeah. Like all that stuff. Like it was like, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was a fun time. Do you think Civil War is where it all went wrong too? No, I think that that's when this is like peak Marvel for me. <laughs> it's like this era that's when it starts to get fucking crazy and things actually like changed and were you know they were trying all kinds of shit it was fun have they done a civil war three no don't put that out in the air <laughs> I just, the, second, the second one was so fucking I just bad everyone hates two. civil it's war so three bad. the master race what, what was civil war two it's about it let was, me <laughs> let me tell them yeah i'll let you tell it's them. about they find out Someone who can see the future finds out that the Hulk is going to kill someone. So they're like, we got to kill the Hulk first. 
And then they're like, you can't judge this minority report. Yeah, it, it's minority reporting. And then Hawkeye kills the Hulk. <laughs> How could Hawkeye kill the Hulk? Does the Hulk not just yeah, fucking murder people, people regularly? Oh, that's all it took. Yeah, that Bruce gave to him. Whoa. Just in case. Does but the it Hulk was, it not was, just regularly accidentally kill people by destroying shit anyways? I mean, sure. And now they're like, oh, he specifically killed no, one person. This was his first kill. It wasn't actually the vision. Okay, the inciting incident was not about the Hulk. <laughs> it was it was they found this kid this inhuman who could foresee the future and one of his visions was proven to be right so carol danvers out of character god she's i feel so bad for her fans in that book because she's just straight up character assassinated but uh she's like gung-ho on it like all of a sudden and like just is like no we have to we have to take this with everything and and like she wants to like fucking arrest miles morales because they have like a they give him a vision where he kills captain america which ends up not sort of coming true, but it's because Captain America's <clears throat> evil at that time. <laughs> so it's like, it's a, it's a whole thing, but yeah, civil war two is fucking just Jesus who gets Christ. the blame for that one. Bendis wrote it. I don't really blame him though. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't, I don't blame him because that was such a clear, like fucking the, mo- the movie is coming out. Yeah. We have to have a civil war book uh, and, and we need these characters to be the ones. And he's like, that completely interrupts everything do you, I'm doing. Do you think they said, like, okay, he said in the future, we're going to have a sequel where, Iron Man fights Captain Marvel, so you need to make this book like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I th- I don't know if they mean by, like, the movie, but I mean, like, they were pushing those characters at that point. Well, right, so like, like, as in, as in, hey, we need you to release a comic book so that we can say we're adapting it into a movie later. It's, it's sort of... Why don't just re-release the trades and say... Here's what that movie's based on. Well, Brett, that would no. be like a logical idea. And, like, and, and Marvel <laughs> doesn't Brett, really see logical ideas. Uh, modern Marvel. I will say, like, a lot of the time they don't abide by it. They, they've really moved away from abiding by whatever the movies are doing, like in recent years, like to a degree. It depends on the character. But like on the whole, it hasn't really impacted things too much. Um, but this was the era where like like when Infinity War came out, they did fucking Infinity Wars well, and you, you've always been super angry about Guardians. Guardians has been like <clears throat> subtly redeemed in the past few runs, at yeah. least for me. But like, yeah, when Bendis took over, it was like just the movie shit. Yeah. And the movie wasn't even out yet, but it was just like, this is what the trailer looked like. <laughs> like, uh, just- yeah, Brett, I don't know if you if you guys even get what I'm talking about. You remember years ago, they suddenly came out and they went, OK, Sam Wilson's Captain America, Jane Foster's Thor, Riri Williams is Iron Man. Iron. Well, Iron Heart. Iron Heart. Yeah. Was this was all when I worked name. at the bookstore and I saw all these. Yeah. Weekly. And it was essentially them kind of like trying to go, we're going to put this out here as feelers to see if people would like go see movies like this, which I think they've abandoned now because no one cares about Marvel anymore. I but, think they were trying to just do. It was weird because like there were a couple of those that were organic, like uh, like Sam as Cap was clearly what like Reminder was leading up to like in his right, run. right. Yeah. And then Jane Thor was also one that it was like, Oh, this was planned out, you know, like it's yeah. like, but then they kind of just did it to everyone. Y- yeah. <laughs> There's nothing inherently wrong with doing that. It's no. just like they're, they're very in a very scummy corporate way. They're going like, we're going to manufacture demand for adapting this comic book that doesn't even exist yet. Yeah. And then they come out and no one likes them anyways. The only thing, a lot of these um, passing the torch characters in the movies is a lot of it is because the actors are getting, you know, they're like 50 and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) They're getting replaced with like 45 year olds who are going to make one movie and then be like, I don't want to do it. 
They should just nuke the whole thing. It's like Mahershala Ali is going to be like, that's where it's about to fuck go. it all. Yeah. Mahershala Ali is going to be like 60 when Blade comes out. <laughs> yeah. If, so that, like, if that movie ever comes out, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but anyways, this oh. comment, who's the dude with the pinstripe jacket and the red glasses right there? Who's that? Oh, Wonder Man. Okay. But yeah, so uh, like we said, uh, <laughs> Reed is looking at these 418 realities where it supposedly came to a peaceful resolution. Um, and the first reality he sees shows Reed and Hank Pym enact the registration laws. Hank dies shortly after from a brain aneurysm, <clears throat> and Reed was able to peacefully convince everybody of the law's importance. And uh, it's here that we kind of see that a common thread of the peaceful resolutions also appears uh, to be the fact that Tony Stark is hardly ever involved <laughs> in anything. Um, now... We get what is one of many collapsed space-time realities where Sue, Johnny, and Ben end up. So they're in, like, the Middle Ages now, but it's all messed up. Like, all the superheroes have analogs here, but they are, like, knights and peasants and such. And uh, Sue is... Why Why is this? <laughs> so it's the reality warping around, so they're getting caught, like, in, like, different realities. And kind and the of, The whole like, building is like this? Outside just, of that elevator? Just the, that field, like, up the top. But it had like, a so backup generator. That they turned back on. Yeah. But it was like it's it's expanding the field. That's the whole thing. Okay, okay. That I didn't catch that. And so it's, I was it's I didn't squishing get it. realities together. Yeah, it's squi- yeah. it starts squishing them together. So okay. they end up in there. And the the peculiar thing for me about this is the fact that they're just acting like those alternate versions, you know. And so I was like, oh, are we just seeing the alternate reality, or did they like kind of do like a sliders quantum leap thing where they fucking like end up in that person's position if or whatever. That's, like, that's you know, kind of how I took it. Yeah, or or like, rather that like... Sliders kept their personalities. They they did, yeah. But like, but you know, sometimes they'd go and like, you know, people would recognize them as like different people and shit like that. Like, Well, I, I kind of read it too as if different realities are compressing on top of each other, then it's like the two versions of them have merged yeah. or that the more dominant one, the, the queen Sue storm took over. Yeah. So like, if, Sue, if I can com- oh, oh, I'll oh, talk about it later. Okay. Yeah. I was just gonna say, so like in this reality, for example, Sue is like this mean queen, Johnny and Ben are her, you know, counsel. Captain America is their knight. And Tony Stark is like a warrior leading the citizens to rebel. Uh, I only mention this, uh, in this level of detail because it, I cr- like Sir Iron Fist here in the background. <laughs> yeah, got you got Bishop, you got Luke Cage. I, I just love how this whole scene crescendos. Danny Ren, who taught the Kung Fu? <laughs> but it crescendos in one of my favorite lines in the book where oh, it's so good. Sue decides they need to squash the rebellion and ask Ben what he thinks, to which he says, Milady, tis the clobbering hour. Tis the clobbering hour. It's a close hour. up, though, where he's got his eyebrow raised. <laughs> yeah, which I've, I think is genius. I've the monocle this. kills me. <laughs> I've seen this as like memes where it's like, really? Like me when, like, me and my GF come home and she asks if I want to fuck and it says Melita is the clobber in And I thought it That's was really funny. I thought it was like fake. No. So seeing this in real, I was so excited. I didn't know that was a meme. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. But it's also worth like I said noting that while these collapsed space-time realities, uh while they're in there, the characters kind of act accordingly like they are from there. Uh back with Reed. Uh, He continues to view the 418 peaceful outcome realities, and we see a handful of them. Uh, One avoided the Civil War because Iron Man is a lady named Natasha, and her and Steve Rogers' Captain America were an item, so they didn't fight. Okay, Uh, how many of you had to, like, do a double-triple take on that? Because I was just sure that uh, Tony and Steve were gay in this reality, and Tony was the bride. I thought that's what it was until this second, when you said he was a woman. Yeah, I mean, they name her... Natasha. Well, like and the fact that the the helmet's on, you can't see hair. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, I mean, oh, it just yeah, like Iron Man. <laughs> and then I read it, and I saw that it said Lady Iron Man. 
And then I went, what? And then I read it again. And I was like, it oh. also be like the good future was the gay future. <laughs> yeah. What's so fucking funny we about this page that. though, is the little picture of giant man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just like, he looks so grumpy. He's like chained <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> he was not a factor in the reality. It's so funny. Yeah. It's like, you're like, you hit one too many wives. Can <laughs> I say this art is, is fantastic. Oh, you like it? Yeah. Yeah. This art is very, very good. I thought it would be hit or miss for you. I thought you'd be like either fucking just not like it at all or you'd be like oh this is cool no i like it it's very it's very detailed it's very sketchy still it's kind of indie-ish almost sometimes who's the artist on this one it is who did the main one oh yeah sean chin koi good stuff and the colors are great too i think it all looks really good yeah i think it's good stuff um so one other reality uh you know, they invented a serum to give everybody powers, so there was no conflict. Um, in another, Reed figured out how to take all the powers away. One avoided conflict because Captain America wasn't found until after the initiative program already came to be. I guess Tony Stark, like, drank himself to death in that one. It's weird. It just, like, shows him, like, looking at a bottle. Like, I like the, the reality where they just give everyone powers. Yeah. Because it's like, <laughs> the problem is that a bunch of school children died because someone has the power to do that. And so they're like, let's just even things out to where... Everybody can be nitro. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's such a, that's like a fucking libertarian argument. They were like, school kids wouldn't got blown up if all them kids were nuclear bombs. Yeah. It's like, that's yeah. a good idea. Let's give everyone superpowers. That's good stuff. <laughs> <It's> good. <laughs> I like that. That's one of the ones that are just like, no, it turned out fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's true though. If everybody had guns, nobody would get shot. Moving on. Um, either way. <laughs> Listen, all I'm saying is back in the day when everyone had swords. Okay. What number reality is this? Uh, you this didn't hear about school. Sh- you didn't blue. hear about school shootings in the sword days. <laughs> That's right. In the sword days. School slicings. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucked. It was it another fucked. school slicing today. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Fuck. Either way, Reed comes to a shocking hypothesis that the common thread with these realities is that Reed acted alone. But could it be that simple? So he hits the controls to add more variables and space time begins to compress more, going wide again where Sue, Johnny and Ben are. Uh, But this time, the issue ends with the medieval Chamberlain Grimm uh, falling into another reality where our three misplaced heroes are pirates. And uh, (laughs) issue three... Yeah, this this is what I was going to say earlier. The thing that kind of bugged me a little bit is it's super at first. It's like, I mean, it makes no sense that one of the people would be carried forward to a different reality, but it's comic books or whatever. Well, they all kind of end up in the last one, though. But the thing is, it's all just like folding. It like follows, you know, like a sequential. You get Human Torch, then you get Sue Storm. But then it's just like random who comes through. Yeah, yeah. I thought it would be Chamberlain Grimm the whole time or whatever, you know. But yeah, yeah, but it's kind and of he just isn't, like... He isn't like all of them, but yeah. I was hoping the whole run would be like Renaissance Ben Grimm, Pirate Johnny oh. Storm. Yeah, and then it's just like everybody, but not everybody. So then I guess I'm wrong and it wasn't Queen Sue was just Queen Sue, just a different one. Could what, be. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's, just, it's, a, it's fun. It's just a fun thing. Yeah. A fun background thing. It's a fun background <laughs> thing. But yeah. Issue three picks up right there and we see that our heroes aren't just pirates, but they are sky pirates on a giant flying ship. And uh, Chamberlain Grimm joins in to help his counterpart. And we see that this version of Sue reports to a high council that looks a lot like the modern day Illuminati, which features a version of Reed uh, back on the bridge. The odds have become more dire. Uh, Reed has narrowed it down to only 67 Earths who found peace if they suffered through a superhuman civil war and the creation of the Illuminati. Uh, But 
even these Earths have questionable tactics. One included villains like Dr. Doom and Magneto on the Illuminati to act as like a unified front. One Earth's Illuminati immediately used the power of the Phoenix to destroy the Skrull homeworld because they were a threat. Uh, one version of Reed killed the Illuminati at its inception, and he comes to realize that these are hard to see as uh, successes. Like, you know, like they may be peaceful, like in terms of no war. Real, but, real quick side you know. note. I, I dig this lineup of Black Bolt, Doom, Mr. Fantastic, Magneto, Namor, and is that Iron Man? Yeah. Doctor Strange is there, too. Yeah, Doctor Strange is in there, too. That's that's a pretty cool. It's pretty team cool. up. Yeah. <laughs> this felt this was one of the things where I was like, oh, is Reed? Is he just like one of those characters that can do? He's like Batman. He can do anything if the writers decide it where he can like he, he can easily kill Phoenix. I mean, in that reality, I guess. Yeah. You know, that's how he created a machine that can, you know, that's or whatever. Yeah. But uh, we cut back to Valeria and Franklin who are safely away from the containment field on the top floors. That's why their <laughs> reality is not all messed up and stuff. But they are making themselves some hot dogs. And Valeria asks what they're going to do if their parents aren't back the next day, because that notice that the soldiers left said that Norman Osborne himself was coming tomorrow. And Franklin swears that he won't let that happen as he cocks his little toy gun. Uh, we catch up then with Chamberlain Grimm and Sky Pirate Johnny, who have ended up in an old West reality now. Uh, they talk to uh, Cowboy Johnny and Ben, and they find out that a duel is happening outside between Cowboy Sue and a man dressed in white from beyond. Yeah, it's, the, it's the Beyonder, but cool reference. Uh, we, we see Reed. Uh, oh, go ahead. I'm not going to open that can of <laughs> The Beyonder. <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah, the Beyonder. Um, you know, Secret Wars, uh, he's a omnipotent being who... Um, took a bunch of superheroes and villains, put them on a planet called Battleworld and, and wanted them to fight for his entertainment. And it was one of the, it was the first like major Marvel big crossover. What a dick. So he's like arcade. Yeah, but he's like a God. What's arcade? Just a dude who likes arcades oh. and death traps. <clears throat> you know, is arcade the character to, to explain why there are Marvel characters in arcade games? That'd be fun. Is it an in-universe, an unnecessary in-universe explanation for why there are arcade games? <laughs> for why there's licensed merchandise of Marvel characters? That would be fun. Dark Cowboy Sue is cool. Yeah. I was going to talk about that. I get that it's 2009 and all the women had to be sexy. That doesn't look like anything that would be in Cowboy Times, her outfit. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, and, and also he's like dressed that, like Cowboy Elvis. He, he <laughs> just kind of looks like how he normally looks after uh, Secret Wars 2. I can't, like if, if. He's even got the perm. If a woman walked out on the street looking like Sue Storm or if, yeah, Sue Storm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like she did right then. I don't know. I feel like they'd she, they lock her would, away. She would shoot him. Yeah. She'd shoot him. She's got two six shooters. That's true. She's got That's true. But yeah. She bad. And then they, they, he juxtaposes this because the next thing that we see is a scene with Reed in the bridge having worse luck with the parameters. And he looks in the realities where the Illuminati had like further adventures and stuff. And most were resulting in a confrontation with the Beyonder and the world being irrevocably changed or like restarted or Wait, something. Wait, I thought you said Battle World happened later. Different Battle World. <clears throat> Are you kidding me? No. There's two Battle Worlds? It's not the, it's not the same thing. Wow. But they reused the term. Okay. I uh, I just got to do this anytime it comes up. Always appreciate the brown suit Wolverine. Okay, we can get back yeah. to it. Oh, it's <laughs> sick as hell. But yeah, so back at the uh, duel, uh, the clock strikes and Cowboy Sue winks at the Beyonder before shooting him to win the duel. Uh, Reed adds the scroll invasion to the parameters and finds that only one Earth knew a peaceful re uh, solution after that. And they just surrendered to the scrolls. That's how they kept peace. So... He then has no choice but to recognize that the formation of the Illuminati on any world yields an almost 0% chance to attain peace. And back in collapsed space-time, Chamberlain Grimm 
Skyrim Pirate Johnny find themselves in a World War timeline. <laughs> they end up having to jump out of a plane into combat, and the issue then ends with Franklin waking up the next morning. Uh, I love that his little alarm clock is a Herbie-shaped uh, alarm clock, too. He's a little robot that the Fantastic Four I, use. I, I like that... Uh, ch- what we call him Chamberlain Grimm. Yeah. Chamberlain Grimm. He's flying the plane and he's got headphones on, but they're put on a way that's almost like he doesn't have ears. <laughs> Where do you, and it's almost like he himself put them on and was like, I don't have ears. Where does this go? <laughs> but yeah, like he, uh, Franklin then uh, checks the monitors and he sees that Osborne, uh, is coming up with a slew of agents and black suit Spider-Man. What? <laughs> and, uh, he then tells Valeria to wake up and says, Norman Osborne is a coming and hell's coming with him. And I love Franklin's little affected cowboy accent when he <laughs> chooses to use it sometimes. But uh, you cut out a part when they're 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 eating hot dogs and beans. Yeah. And they say beans and Franklin. And yeah. he goes, Franklin, Franklin and beans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like There's a lot of cute moments with them. Yeah. yeah. So I get that Sue Storm is stuck in a magical reality world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reed Reed is in the bridge, fully aware that his four year old kids have been alone for 12 hours. He right? does not know that because he does not know that the rest of the Fantastic Four are stuck in a, in that thing. And he hasn't bothered to check in. I, I mean, he doesn't know how much time's passed. He's a bad dad. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, it's customary, but God, Norman's hair, man. They got to drop that. <laughs> I At least Valeria makes fun of it. No, 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 no. I was just going to say the opposite. Whoever they cast in the inevitable... <laughs> Next reboot of Spider-Man, they need to do that fucking hair. They got to give a white guy waves. Yeah. The weird I, I like that it was, it was clearly a moment of in the 1960s when they were like, how do you draw hair? <laughs> <laughs> what if it was like red and black stripes? Uh, the stripes. They're like, nobody's hair is like They that. really do. <laughs> reading reading this. And they've just kept it forever. <laughs> it's a very it's so weird fucking stupid. It's so strange. Reading this, I bet in 2000, did they try to redesign him, give him frosted tips and shit? They did? No, I wish they did. Oh, my God. <laughs> they could have done it in Ultimate Spider-Man, but they didn't. Norm. 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 <laughs> Saying, hey, punks, this is the Ultimate Universe. It's realistic. That's Norman Osborn. He's a real goblin of a man. <laughs> that would be yes. the movie. <laughs> Uh, whoever they cast is the next one. They need to get a uh, an actor that's not like uh, they're good at just being Willem Dafoe's too nice. Yeah, yeah. He has he's too great, many though. scenes where he, yeah, he's he great, but he has awesome. too many scenes where he's nice. They need just like a total asshole. <laughs> they need to let like I mean, I guess basically a Lex Luthor type because in this he's just I was like, oh yeah, that's how Norman Osborn actually is. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty unhinged at this point. Willem Dafoe is like nice, but it's still like. I don't fucking trust that he, guy. He's crazy. Still, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, crazy eyes. <laughs> were any of you at this point too? uh, like, wait, why is Spider-Man with Norman and why is he in the black suit? Well, I kind of remember up top when I mentioned that. Yes. And then he turned into Venom and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I well, didn't understand anything that had happened up to this point. That's so when oh, I, it was just one thing on the pile of things I didn't understand. I, understand. I did it okay. at this point. Is it I, coming together? No, no. No. Okay. All I right. texted cool. Brett and I was like, I mean, it's, I'm fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> was I was he, like, I'm not quite following what's happening. That's okay. a lot of this. Was he rocking the Iron Patriot armor at this point? A little before this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, he, he did it off and on, but yeah. But yeah, the issue four picks up right there. Uh, Osborne is at the gates with reinforcements and Franklin and Valeria are going to do something about it. Franklin in particular says uh, they're going to mess with his head. And uh, we see Reed still in the bridge. Uh, He angrily throws the visualizer helmet off of his head in defeat and then says how all these peaceful outcomes result from unacceptable decisions, basically. And uh, he decrees that under no circumstances 
could what has come to pass been avoided for them? Uh, the kids then kind of uh, home alone Norman a bit where Valeria comes out to meet him at the entrance. And she has like glasses and like a like a little dress on like she works there. Yeah, that was cute. <laughs> and, uh, who, who is the symbiote guy? OK, so, yeah, so uh, we get confronted and it, it becomes relevant that this black suited Spider-Man character is actually Venom, the Venom symbiote, uh, pretending to be Spider-Man for the Dark Avengers. Um, but it is not Eddie Brock or Flash Thompson. It's Matt Gargan, the Scorpion, at this point. Um, not being the Scorpion, he's Venom for a while. Uh, yeah, in this era, he was he had the symbiote. Classic Scorpion? Yeah, yeah, the original Dude, Scorpion. The symbiote would never interact with... He would never go so low as to interact with Scorpion. Matt Gargan's cool. <laughs> he would, uh, especially in the... Uh, the they both the, want Spidey. They related on that. My knowledge of, of Scorpion is limited to Spider-Man on the PS1 and then Spider-Man on the Xbox. I think he was in both of those. It's probably a good interpretation. <laughs> I don't know. Did he have a green tail? Yes. Did he fight you with it? Yes. Yeah. That's what he does. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, Norman, uh, you know, tells her to take them to her father, but she says that only one person is coming with her as the notice that they received said it would be a singular representative. Osborne doesn't like this and it makes Spider-Man freak out because like we said, it's not real Spider-Man. It's Venom, not a Brock, uh, Matt Gargan. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I don't know. He was Venom. <laughs> and uh, Venom shrieks at Valeria, who calls him gross, but Norman tells him to back off and that uh, he can go eat the lawyer who wrote that notice up. Uh, <laughs> which Does Valeria was... have any powers? No, she's just real smart. Okay. But uh, Norman and Valeria then walk off and Valeria <laughs> sticks her tongue out at Venom, which I thought was cute. Uh, but Norman sort of gives her a hard time telling her that it's ridiculous that her father threw his children kind of to the wolves this way, and he'll have to have a talk with them about that. Valeria tells him that they aren't going to go see her dad, uh, and Franklin shows up in his cowboy outfit and a Spider-Man mask, which sets Norman off. But before we see the results of that, though, we go back into collapsed space-time, and shit has just gone fucking nuts. Like, it's basically all these alternate versions of Sue, Johnny, and Ben are together in, like, a futuristic timeline, and there's a version of the Kree Supreme Intelligence, which I think is supposed to be Reed... <laughs> And it is being overrun by like multiple versions of Venom, like crawling all over it. Uh, it but they're like scroll Venom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and they it, like it cries out and says that like the apocalypse is near. Like it, it, they're totally screwed. Everything is I failing. Just, I loved coming on this panel and he's <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just supposed to be fucking nonsense. And like and, and he says like the apocalypse is near. Everything's failing and failing because of their collective decisions. And. Everything starts to get overrun by the symbiotes, but then something miraculous kind of happens. The Fantastic Four members who are all there, even though it's alternate versions of them, they start to fight back. And one of the Sues, uh, you know, even says something about how uh, it's never the end and it's never over. We then cut to Reed in the bridge who looks up and says, there is always a way. <clears throat> what we then get is several pages with Reed thinking in the bridge while the displaced uh, Fantastic Four members fight to save everything in this crazy collapsed time space. Reed narrates the entire sequence saying, it's a moment, really. One single moment, a single instance of looking at things for, with both the proper perspective and complete and utter honesty. All collective efforts were failures. The massive successes were represented by my acting alone. Is this total arrogance or is it honesty meeting responsibility? Which of these is fact? The truth. Projected against the canvas of all space and time, there is one person who could have avoided who could have avoided all that has happened. Only one person smart enough to solve all the problems and answer all the difficult questions. For too long, I've hidden behind false humility and a result, and as a result, ran from the things I was supposed to do. I'm the most brilliant man in the known universe. My mind is a gift, and when problems present themselves, it falls to me. I have a responsibility to solve them. I have failed everyone, and now the time has come to fix it. And he orders the bridge to power down. 
there's a lot to chew on with that sequence. I'm uh, reading it for like the third or fourth time as I did for this. I realized how much he's setting up this big old arc for Reed. This is clear villain origin story. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really intriguing. Like I think how kind of scary he is at this point because it's just like you kind of understand where he's coming from, but at the same time you're like, fuck, dude. Like this ain't gonna end good. Like I got know. less scary and more just like get a load of this guy. You know. Yeah. It made me uncomfortable. Yeah. It's just I just like, thought, like, pull your head out of your ass, dude. I, I thought it was pretty transparent, like, oh, they're setting him up to be a bad guy or yeah, to be. Or being tempted, at least, like, you know, in a way. Well, it, it cut kind of close for me because, yes, there's definitely that, but I relate a little too much to him on this just from the, I, the idea of. You are of, the most brilliant mind on the planet. Well, no. All the problems in life have been caused by you. Not just those <laughs> things, but. Uh, the idea of, I, I understand basically rationalizing how something has happened in your life, rationalizing in a way where you, you take the responsibility all on yourself and that's how you kind of deal with it. Yeah. And, and basically like, go, no, 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 no. I see now this is all me. If I had just done this, yeah, everything would have been fine. I can, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fix it. Everyone. It's fine. Yeah. It's like, and like I'm I've, the only one who can fix it type of thing. I've, I've been down that road so many times. That's why it makes me uncomfortable. Ask for help, Chris. <laughs> I don't intend to become a supervillain. Yeah. <laughs> Hickman did uh kind of uh, pioneer and, um, uh, really do a lot of the character work for the evil Reed Richards from the ultimate universe to the maker. So it's fucking crazy because I could have sworn this stuff was part of his character for years before this, but I guess it all, kinda, I mean, it is like to a degree, but this is know. where it all sort of came out. Finally. I think, I think this is just like one of the better explorations, of the, it. the acknowledgement of it. Yeah. I think yeah. more so than, huh. than anything else. I mean, like there were definitely stories where they were like, what if Reed Richards is bad, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but like, this is like, no, it's like, he's Reed Richards and let's just see what happens, you know? <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, anyway, he powers down the bridge and the rest of the four are plopped back into the Baxter building. Reed comes out and shares a hug with Sue. He then asks where the kids are and they are running from Norman who pulled out a gun and is just straight up shooting at him. And, uh, <laughs> the, ki- the kids, uh, they run and hide behind a desk in a nearby room, and Franklin, you know, tells Val uh, he will protect her. And before Norman can enter the room, though, the Fantastic Four appear behind him in the hallway with Sue yelling, get away from my children. We talk about the continuity error here, right, Max? I'm not going to get into it. It's not a big deal. It's Max like you talked hate, about Max the hated two that, weeks. that the gun looks slightly different so in the new panels. Well, a lot of times the artist ends up listening to this. So, <laughs> so I was waiting until we got to the, the resolution of the thing. Sean Chin, what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> There's Norman's holding a revolver and in the next page. He's holding like a like a Beretta pistol and it drove me nuts. And I didn't know if it was part of a different reality or if Max it was actually sent that up. in a text to all of us. And I was the only one who understood what he was talking about. Yeah, we can we can have a separate podcast about that. <laughs> yeah. We can call it the smoking gun. Oh, fuck. It's just about those two panels. (laughs) (laughs) How do you have 30 episodes? Uh, I wanted, I wanted to wait until the, the child like story got resolved, but I was going to say the way their little side adventure, the tone of it, I could have sworn when she walks up with that pay or when she tells Reed or not Reed fucking Norman Osborn. She's like, what's the, the girl's name? Valeria. Valeria. She's like, you won't be meeting with my father. You'll be meeting with. And I thought she was about to say, like, you'll be meeting with me and we'll be going over these documents together. <laughs> and I thought it would like hard cut to them going over. And she's like, well, you see in particle here because she says something about like 
we're we're playing by your rules that you wrote in this piece of paper. So I thought they were about to show her being like extremely intelligent and going over all the legal like loopholes in it. That would be and that's how she got yeah. him to leave, which would have been really fun. That would have been really good. <laughs> I, I do like that a lot. And that that actually is kind of something that they would probably do for Valeria. Like, you know, the way you can't, you can't have it Marvel. That's my idea. Yeah, it's trademark. <laughs> but yeah, so issue five, uh, the conclusion to the bridge arc starts with Sue basically. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Fucking Norman says, you children should know that I'm a firm believer in corporal punishment. (laughs) Disrespecting your elders is one of my biggest no-nos. And he's fucking shooting. He's shooting at these below 10-year-old kids. It's fucking incredible. That's weird. It's weirdly funny. It's not, but it is. Just Hickman being like, this guy is the biggest asshole in the world. Well, (laughs) it it helps. It helps, too, like the way those panels, like with them running, it's like, whoa, we're in trouble. Yeah, but he's like got a gun. Well, if they, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I at least they tried to make it totally lighter. Yeah. If they were like horrified and crying, you'd be like, what the fuck? Dude? This next issue, is this a different artist or is it the same? Because it looks a little different. It's the same artist on uh, on all the Dark Rain issues, at least. OK, it just looked yeah. a little different. But yeah. Uh, issue five, the conclusion of the bridge arc starts with Sue basically manhandling Norman uh, with her force fields. Uh, he calls uh, Gargan, Matt Gargan, the Scorpion, Spider-Man, Venom guy, and uh, the goons up to help him. But Sue just creates an invisible room they can't get past. So Norman is like, all right, everybody leave. They won't let me leave unless they know it's safe. Uh, great to see Sue just uh, handle the entire situation there. <laughs> Nobody else fought in that, which I thought was fun. Uh, but uh, Norman starts to talk to Reed, saying that this is far from over. And Reed basically tells him to fuck right off, uh, never come back here and never bother us again. He belittles Norman, which we all know Norman really fucking hates. Really quickly, could Sue just create a force field inside somebody and yeah. explode? Them? She talks about that all the time. She's got to be the most powerful one. She's one of them. She could just cut anybody in two. She's Omega. So she always had this force field thing? No. Like I said. That was something they added later. Um, uh, It wasn't like, you know, super recent or anything, uh-huh. but like, but it was an additional thing that they added to her powers. Eventually. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, when she busted out those, I was like, oh, I thought she's she had just- it for many, many years at this point. But okay. Yeah. She used to just disappear and not be a, yeah. in the battle. She used to go away. That was her power. Christ. Like, <laughs> 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 right. I mean, that's how they treated her. I'm not saying it's no, right. No, 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 I, I, I know what you're, I know what you're saying. <laughs> it is just, it's funny theme. to think back, like, what do these four characters do? The woman goes away. The she was song, the Bilbo Baggins of the, the Fantastic The theme four. song <laughs> of the fucking cartoon says Sue can fade from sight, I, not Sue is invisible. They're basically saying Sue can go away and not be a part of the plot. Please. But it's like, that's like, so that's so like, 1960s. Well, we got to have a girl on the team. What does she do? She goes she away. She fawns after the main guy. Yes. She fawns after she the, the, the she fawns after the main character and then is unseen. God, Brett, if we ever end up doing that idea we talked about where we go through all of the old school Avengers issues like on a podcast one day like just issue by issue we're going to read a lot of fucking terrible uh, misogynistic wasp stuff but yes Dude, that's like listening that <laughs> you know and it's fun to talk about that and and, and, and appreciate it with the modern mind and that dude I'll that do uh, X-Men number one with you guys that'd be cool <laughs> Chris Claremont yeah. Listening to him describe his thought process behind like diversity and including women and people of color and stuff. It was like, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> stop oh, Jesus. Was he like, he's like, then I thought I should get some Ruskies in there. And then I thought not. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> the other guy. He's like, a, he's a moderately funny guy who thinks he's a really funny guy, yeah. but he's also 60. The other guy that was which there. Which leads to some complications. Played yeah. it off sure. by being like, we didn't even know how to spell diversity. 
And it was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh. So I go, no, no, that wasn't a joke. I was serious. Hey, you guys didn't have to be on the stage, but they. Norman pulls his gun again at this point <laughs> and tells Reed that he is the government now. And in the end, he will win. He aims at Reed, Sue screams, then a shot fires off. But it's a shot that hit Norman's shooting arm. They all turn and they see Franklin with his toy gun in hand. And it's smoking out of the barrel. And he says, Mr. I'm the law around these parts. Um. Uh, Johnny takes the gun from Franklin. Sue chastises him for hurting someone, even though he thought it was a good reason. Norman starts to threaten Reed again, but Reed tells him uh, he won't let Norman do a thing. He then tells him to leave while he still can of his own volition. So Norman fucks off out of the book. Uh, Johnny and Ben are confused because the gun Franklin had is clearly a toy. So there's some intrigue there. Is this Uh. like a new thing? That he has, like, reality warping powers. So, Franklin... Uh, is this something that gets revealed later on? Fairly early. Okay. Well, um, can, we, can we just wait for it? We can. I guess I was asking, is it new to this story? Because I realized <laughs> this is something I was aware of. Yes and no. Okay. Uh, this, this version of Franklin, like how he uses his uh, supposed abilities, um, it's never really been showcased in this way. It will be retconned as to why that is later on in the run. Uh, but yeah, um, you're supposed to just be like, what the fuck at that point? Okay. (laughs) But, uh, but there is a precedence for Franklin Richards, um, having powers. Okay. And Um, I do, I have to ask like legitimately because I don't know anything about these characters. Yeah. If Reed Richards can stretch, would a bullet not just like, yeah, it it would just stretch through mm -hmm. and then come back and kill Norman. (laughs) I I guess he could (laughs) fling it back at him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that was, that was also my first thought too, but Franklin, you know, he's a kid and he's just thinking that he's protecting his dad at that point as well. Well, no, no, no. I meant because he pulls the gun and Sue's like, Reed, you're about to get shot. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. I'm, I'm being Brett. Right How now. could you Sorry. kill what? Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> well, you pointed out something earlier. Uh, you were like, I don't know. You're like, this isn't realistic. Stretch him even further. <laughs> Dude, you remember like when the Scarlet Witch was like, fuck you and unraveled him? Oh, yeah. Crazy. Oh, yeah, that did happen in a movie. Oh, that was yeah. so brutal. That was kind of fun. Was like, fuck you. She was flipping How everyone funny off. would it be if the one like fucking Marvel was Scarlet Witch going, fuck you. It was oh, in uh, it was in Guardians 3. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Well, <laughs> they opened the fucking door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's, I'm not even going to try to set it up, but there's a part Star-Lord where Nebula- and Nebula are trying to get into like a shitty station wagon and he's trying to explain to her how you get into a car. Oh, okay. And he's like, press the button. It's that, yeah. And then she's like, now what? And he's like, open the fucking he's door. He's like, open the fucking door. <laughs> like, no one, no one yells. No one, it's not like, isn't this funny? He just plainly says, open the fucking door. And I laughed so goddamn hard. It was almost like. I was like, that's amazing. It was sort of like Chris Pratt was just fed up with the day almost. Well, dude, it felt like, it felt like. At that point with the entire Marvel movie franchise, that's kind of how I felt. <laughs> and him saying it like that, it was just like, yeah, just open the fucking door. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but yeah, so at this point, uh, the four, they uh, they check on the kids to make sure that everything is OK. And Reed says that he and Franklin definitely need to have a chat uh, as they walk back up. Johnny asks if Reed found what he needed. And Reed says that he thinks that he did. And Ben says they've been through the ringer at this point, prompting Sue to agree. Uh, she then asks Reed what happened with him. And he says with everything he saw, he thinks he can fix everything. And she asked if anything else happened. And we flash back to Reed directing the bridge to power off like before, because that's not all that happened. Uh, Reed asked the machine to power down and then quickly told it to wait. He then asked it one more question. How many of these bridges have been built? And it answers 141. Then through the bridge arc, seven silhouettes appear in (laughs) bright light. 
cutting back to Sue and Reed's current conversation, Reed says that nothing else happened. Lying. And Sue asks him to destroy the bridge. Uh, she says that she never asked him to do stuff like this, but he endangered their family with this. And she asks him to promise that he will please get rid of it. And he does. He promises to take it apart piece by piece. Uh, we then see what the silhouettes talk to Reed about. He asks who they are. They say they're like him and they can help him in his quest to fix things. Uh, they tell him that they will be here when he is ready, but not to take too long. Ooh. For there is no telling how much worse things could get. Reed then powers off the machine, and we go back to what's happening now. Uh, Reed reflects on his promise to take apart the machine to Sue, uh, and he just builds it again. I'm, hey, <laughs> I'm, he took I'm, it apart piece by piece and got rid of it into a separate. He room. might as well have crossed his fucking fingers behind his back. <laughs> like it's like leather, like uh, the, I just imagine him at a poker game and he's telling his buddies like, "She didn't say I couldn't rebuild it, huh? <laughs> yeah. huh? She didn't say not to rebuild it." <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck. But he then ends the issue by silently walking into one of his <laughs> many lab rooms. This one being a room with white walls, all of which are covered in written ideas and equations. And his narration reads as follows. I told her I'd take apart. Uh, <laughs> I told her I'd take it apart piece by piece. So I did. And then I put it all back together. I had to. It was two weeks after the scroll invasion. It's what happened in the days after Norman Osborne took control when my family returned to their home. It was the day I committed myself, crossing the threshold. A moment of clarity, defining who I needed to be and what it would cost to achieve it. A moment of truth. The understanding of a single fact. I had caused all of this. And all of humanity, my family, my children, they suffer for it. This was the world that I had created. I know what I have to do to fix it, to make things right. There's no problem that can't be solved. And as he closes the door, the panel focuses on a piece written on the wall. It simply says, idea number 101, solve everything. And that is the end of Fantastic Four Dark Reign, but not the end of this episode. Uh, We still have the Cabal one-shot contribution from Hickman. Uh, But what did you guys think of the uh, conclusion on that arc? I thought the panel 101 solve everything was really goofy. (laughs) Kind of of undercut the coolness (laughs) of that moment. Really? Yeah. That's like a really corny, goofy-ass solve everything. I, I think it's cool to imagine like a person as brilliant as him to be like, that's like a viable thing. I guess maybe that's called idea number 101. I mean, yeah. It was I, goofy. Sure, like putting a number on it, sure. But yeah. I mean, like, but the idea of like, oh, like um, a guy this smart tackling the concept of like, I'm going to fix everything. He should like, he know, should focus like, on a renewable fuel source, uh, a way to uh, basically he needs to make it like Star Trek where uh, there's replicators. The Fantastic Four <laughs> is like technology is a lot like Star Trek technology. But they keep it to themselves. Yeah, he he. he Let's other people use it sometimes. I think it's not cost effective. It could be. They're rich enough. Fantastic. They're always going broke. Oh. And getting kicked out um, of the Baxter building or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to whatever's next. It was quite a setup. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I am intrigued. He's about to get manipulated. I want to know what's going I'm on. To yeah. You think he's going to get manipulated by those, I'm thinking, by those spooky silhouettes? Yeah. And there's a chance that it's just him and just different fucked up looking versions of Reed Richards. And one of them's like a weird alien deer thing or some shit with a helmet. And I don't know. I'd take a weird alien deer, Reed Richards. Yeah. I want to know what's going on with those guys. Yeah. What'd you think, Brett? Moderately lost, but yeah, uh, you know, I'm just along for the ride. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a, it's a weird story, especially with the collapsing stuff, like constantly coming back and forth, I think. What's he trying to solve? What is, what is he blaming himself for? So what is the problem? Yeah, in we're like universe? missing context of like all the, well, I mean, he does, shit. he did kind of say it. I mean, like he went through all the scenarios. Like he's, he's basically saying like since civil war shit has been like downhill for like everything's been constant strife. 
And like, that's sort of a meta thing because like, there's just been constant events in Marvel <laughs> since then for like uh. the past several years. And it's like, everything is earth shattering. Everything is fucking changing. There's constant shit. Like to, sometimes the events would like overlap. I, <laughs> like, and it was why just does he like, blame himself? He, he, I because take he's it as- like, he's, he sees himself as the smartest being and he's like, I could do more. It he, should be better yeah, than this. He can't, <laughs> like, he cannot cope with everything that's happened. Yeah. And that's how he's rationalizing it is that I'm the, I'm supposed to be the smartest man in the world. I should have the ability to figure this out, figure this out. Even if he wasn't, I'm guessing he wasn't directly related to the events that happened. Some of the things but, he was. Oh, uh, okay. Well, <laughs> but yeah, but even, so, even still, he was one of the main pro registration yeah. guys. Okay, I guess I just say that. I guess I just don't believe that as a character. That's like, ultimate hubris and Ozymandias shit. Oh yeah. Well, I think that's what he's kind of playing Reed as is like, you know, he's playing with your perception of, of him. It's I got a, a feeling really fast heel turn. Like it, all of a sudden, I'm, like I'm, I'm the best. I'm guessing is, this will be expounded upon the more we get into it. It, it definitely is. Okay. But, but I also don't think it's like too sudden of a heel turn. Like there have been shit like this with him throughout the ages, you know, whether it was like ironic or not, you know, because in like the 60s or something, he might have done something like this and they would have been like, this is the I, man's job or whatever, you know, but like it's, uh, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. but but uh, <clears throat> I do think like, you know, just looking at the entire history, like the 40 years or, you know, almost 50 years at that point when this run was being written, like he's utilizing that to look at Reed as like a person of like, what has he done? How would he feel if he is the smartest person in this universe? What does he think of this? You know, that type of thing. And like, and he's playing with that perception of like, well, Reed's not necessarily like the most likable guy <laughs> like any and he wouldn't be, you know, it you know, would- I feel like for most of my life, I've seen Reed Richards kind of presented through a dark lens, like in media outside of the of, <clears throat> official Marvel comics or people just talking about it, talking about him and basically like what this this run is starting to do. So I, I guess maybe people were onto that for years before anyways, yeah, the, or like the Venture Brothers. Venture you know, Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, that interpretation. So people were definitely like caught on to that well before, I guess, this. So. I think Mr. Fantastic, like kind of treading the line or possibly being a bad guy is just as intriguing as what if it, Superman was a bad guy? If anything, I think it's sure. more at this point because it's less expounded upon. But because the Reed Richards man. in this, the Reed Richards in this was exactly the Reed Richards in Venture Brothers. Yeah. Just, just like a fucking evil asshole. I don't think that he's evil. I mean, like, you know, like I, I think I think the shit he's saying is fucking evil. He, He's saying he doesn't I can, this. I'm going to fucking undo everything and fix everything. Like, yeah, but he's again, he's fucking not. But he just he's he rationalizing. Just, he just built himself. a machine that showed him the only positive, peaceful <laughs> outcomes were all him acting alone. That's what he saw. You know, like that's all he saw. <laughs> like, yeah. This, so, I mean, he's uh, yeah. he's being presented with evidence. I, I feel like we need to read more of this. Yeah. There is a lot to go on about, and I don't want to spoil anything, but I totally get that. And I'm actually glad that you guys are thinking that way, at least, you know, like because it's it's intrigue, at least, I think. But yeah, um, I think that this this whole arc, at least, is kind of a, a microcosm of like Hickman's tropes that he that you'll kind of begin to see a bit. But um, I love when he does the repetition thing, but does like slight tweaks the second time around, like a lot of thematic storytelling, like, you know, and it's, it's all rooted in character work. <coughs> Chef's kiss moving on. Uh, we are get, we're getting to the end of this story section with uh, Hickman and Adi Granov's contribution to the uh, Cabal one shot. Um, now, what is the Cabal? Uh, they're bad guy Illuminati. Uh, even though the Illuminati are mostly bad, Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, the Illuminati. But um, uh, so something 
something Hickman uh, with with the Illuminati. Uh, that's something that Hickman will go to play with uh, a lot in his Avengers run. Uh, but the Cabal at this point is started by Norman Osborn, and it consists of Emma Frost, the Lady version of Loki, uh, Doctor Doom, Namor, and the Hood. Now, uh, this who the, who the fuck is the Hood? The Hood is like this uh, crook guy who finds a magic cloak that makes him like, he's able to like teleport and do demons. Doesn't style. matter like now. Yeah, I like uh. that. <laughs> but but uh. I uh, thought he was like evil Doctor Doom or something. No, no, just a guy. But um, uh, he, his name his name is Parker, and uh, you know he steals stuff, uses a demon cloak. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, the, this eight page story basically gives us a glimpse of Hickman writing Doctor Doom. So uh, the whole story is Doom and Namor talking in private about their eventual pr- betrayal to Norman Osborn. Doom tells Namor that when Osborn implodes, he will get the land, and Namor will get the seas. Doom then starts to daydream a year into the future, and Norman has his Dark Avengers and goes to meet with the cabal nobody Wait, this shows is, this is a daydream he's daydreaming yes he's he's imagining are you serious yeah it says one year later yeah it says several weeks ago and then it says one year later several weeks ago because that meeting took place like you know like are you i there i do not he's, believe he's imagining this, everything that is shocking to me <laughs> that is not communicated at did you guys think this was no, I thought it was happening for real. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't it's read his, it as a daydream. It's his plan. This is Doctor Doom's plan. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, I thought they went through with it, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" No, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it doesn't say that. It says one year later. Yeah, but he's thinking, and then like, and how then, do you know that? Later on, because first of all, it doesn't happen, and and secondly, like, like later on, Namor's like, "You're not listening to me," and he's like, "Sorry, my mind wanders," and then he imagines killing Namor as he flies away. What? Clearly, I need to reread this. Dude, I did not get that that didn't happen. That, that's what happened. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Why would Wolverine in the century be helping Norman? Uh, it's not Wolverine. It's his son. Oh, is that Dakar? <clears throat> Dakin. 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 Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Doom starts to daydream a year into the future. Norman has his Dark Avengers and goes to meet with the Cabal. Nobody shows up besides Namor and Doom. And this annoys Norman, who starts to talk about implementing changes. The Dark, <coughs> the dark Avengers Hawkeye, who we said before is actually Bullseye. Um asks why Doom is wearing a red cape. <laughs> Bullseye. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he says that it was a gift from the Hood. Uh, we then get an amazing silent page of Doom fighting the Hood and defeating him for his magic cloak. I think that's fucking awesome. His art is so fucking That is the best good. panel. Yeah, it's really Just cool. fucking electrocuting him. Today. Yeah. <laughs> his art is like unbelievable. <laughs> He's yeah, like, Artie Granoff is the shit. I'm going to take your hood now. Except for that dumb... <laughs> <laughs> uh, he like never looks like that either. No, don't That's touch fine. it. <laughs> but yeah, Doom then uh, pulls a cosmic cube, and Namor is like, "Shit, we doing this now?" And Doom is like, "Hell yeah!" So uh, they. <laughs> this reminded me of when uh, Brett and I used to play D anD D in high school, and when things weren't going our way, <laughs> like in an interaction, we would go take it out the trash, and then we just beat the shit out of everyone in the scene. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you used to pull out a cosmic cube when things weren't going. When too things well. aren't going well, yeah, but yeah, Doom, you know, uses the cosmic cube to teleport the rest of the dark avengers to a galaxy far far away uh then cosmic cubes uh norman like he, he takes his armor off and namor stabs him to death with the trident and uh namor then says he figured doom handled the hood since he has like you know the cloak but what about lady loki and emma frost doom says uh they are <laughs> she says so they're where stupid. he says they're where they belong and we see a man of war album cover where both women are tied to doom's throne <laughs> and have slave leia outfits basically Okay, yeah, I I wasn't paying attention because so I completely missed that that was them there. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get that either. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I thought that he... was Sue Storm and some other lady. Nah. I I thought Doom just had his ladies, his ladies. going back home to <laughs> going back home. Doom's <laughs> home, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So back in the present, Namor is like, "Hey, you stop talking. 
Are you listening to me? And Doom apologizes, saying his thoughts wander. Namor then flies off in a ship, saying he sometimes wonders what goes on in Victor's mind. We then see a panel of that daydream Doom choking Namor to death, and the sequence ends with Victor saying, Doom, always Doom. Okay, I guess you could, I guess if I had, that's not communicated well at all that that's a dream, but I guess you could, if you were smart, you could extrapolate Most that. times stop being a baby, Max. I'm not being a baby. <laughs> Fucking with you. No, but uh, but yeah, uh, that is the end of part one of our Fantastic Four by Jonathan Hickman coverage. Fantastic 2024. Uh, I know it's a pretty, I think, kind of a low key story compared to a lot of superhero stuff or like grandiose superhero stuff. But I love this <laughs> slow burn that starts off the run. Uh, lots of great character work, especially uh, particularly for Reed right off the bat. What'd you guys think of the uh, writing? I dug it. Yeah, it's good. I think the children really took me out of it. Really? Yeah. They, I like that. Their was totally unrealistic kid writing, I think. They just talked like adults. They're really smart though. Yeah, I, I kinda <laughs> went with the like, oh, they're they're a super genius's kids and they're gonna be overly precocious. I guess. It, it reminded me of like all of Kevin Smith's movies where everyone is like has the exact same level of wit and you know, opinion. I don't know. I, I think that in terms of like wit and stuff like that, the characters feel like the characters. Fantastic Four characters talking like a Kevin Smith movie. <laughs> Dr. Doom News. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think that everybody in terms of like the characters, I think they felt like the characters. I don't think that everybody had like the same level of humor or anything like that. Uh, uh, like it, it was just maybe with the kids. I could see that. Yeah. If it, it was the kids. It was like, how yeah. old are these kids supposed to be? I, I thought 10 or 11. You said they're four. <laughs> no, Valeria is like three or four. Franklin is like, you know, still nine or 10 that's or fucking insane. It's yeah, but she's 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 a, she's a super genius. Like, All right. like she's I, as smart as her dad. <clears throat> but like smart doesn't mean you have this age wisdom she also that, grows at like a rapid rate and stuff okay. like that like all sure stuff. of yeah. course she you, does. You, she's <laughs> also got hawk powers and you, she can Brett, shoot you laser new, beams right you, you read nerd? the new run <laughs> <laughs> i i did you're that right now what's going on <laughs> even though it's a slow burner how did you just describe it it's a, a yeah i said slow burn yeah yeah it's like the plot is reads looking through time and stuff and it's really not like it's a it's not a i mean it's literally like a day in yeah. their life <laughs> but Within all of this, we get crazy multiverse, and it's like, I feel like this one story I read, I got more multiverse than any of these fucking movies that have come out the last five years that claim to be about the multiverse. It's like, no, 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 this is what, this is what you could do with a multiverse or like alternate timelines. Fun, I, fun I think stuff. it's a fun, pretty clever way to do it. Yeah, it's it's just fun. And, and more often than not, the multiverse stuff is kind of like that Hickman style of humor. Where it's like, exactly, you know, like yeah. where especially with the fucking Cree Supreme Intelligence, like just being like, we're fucked. Like, you know, yeah, whatever. it's like, like it's like you literally have an excuse to make any weird version of a character you want and like just put it on screen for a sec or on a panel. And in this one, we get medieval Iron Fist and like like everyone's knights for some reason. Who cares? It's yeah. just fun. And then, yeah, yeah. The, the read in a giant head in a jar and whatever that kind of shit yeah just make it weird i like that i like that a lot um, but yeah i mean um other than that i mean like in terms of like the story i, I what i was kind of thinking of since this is like you know my like i said third or fourth time reading this um i was thinking about how weird it is that it's a dark rain tie-in because dark rain was all about like the status quo of norman osborne being in charge and it fits but it also feels like hickman is just kind of like <clears throat> all right i'm just gonna tell the story i want to tell though <laughs> and i'll just kind of throw him in there like because once he fucks off it's like he's just dropped like so hard like it's just like whatever 
fuck off Norman go away but yeah um I don't know I, like I understand like you know there's a lot of context needed for this and whatnot but like um and with the nature of it being kind of like a weird like time collapsing multiverse story uh I understand like there's probably like some confusing moments or whatnot but like did you guys follow pretty all right so far I found it I mean kind of like Brett I, I was kind of like what are they referencing what are they talking about uh what's going on here um it really felt like uh kind of being dropped in yeah and i was like i don't know i don't know what's going on i don't know why spider-man's venom and he's working with osborne what's going on yeah all that shit i understand that i mean like a lot of stuff from this era is kind of like that and honestly you just kind of have to go with it a lot of the time maybe it's just me but i've always been i'm always okay being dropped in that's how like i got into comics I don't know if you guys had the same or like just at whatever point you jumped in. It's like, I don't know what the fuck they're referencing, but that character's in it. So I'm going to read it. I'm used to a, a one panel of Stanley saying exactly what happened for the last <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> I guess I'm used to like Hickman's like, I'm not over explaining it, Brett. <laughs> well, then how are we supposed to know? Check issue 34 through 30. Clearly in the past, guys. <laughs> I love I love picking up a fantasy novel <laughs> and there is no. There's no attempt to explain anything. The author's just like, you're going to figure out as you go, these characters aren't going to be explaining it because they know what's going on. You know, they're from this world. But for some, I guess with a comic book, it's a little That's different. Because yeah. this is continuous. That's not, yeah. it's not like, you, this will be expounded upon. It's like, you should have kind of known this. Yeah, this yeah. is this is like, you need to have read 18 separate issues of all these different series if you want to know everything. Dude, that's like when, when we did um, The Button. Yeah. Maybe, and you, or no, we, we were doing... Um, DC Rebirth? Or- uh, we were doing, whatever the... Doomsday Clock? Doomsday Clock. Yeah. And you're like, all right, we have to read these four books beforehand so you can understand what's happening. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This isn't quite as drastic. There's a pitfall in that with Marvel and DC uh, in general just because of how longstanding they've been. But, like, I do firmly believe that, like, even with all the set dressing, because that's all that that shit is. Like, all the continuity stuff of, like, you know, oh, right now this character is this. It's like, cool. That's all I need to know. You know, like, it's like... in. For me, it, it's not super distracting, mostly because I've just, you know, come to know this era, especially in particular. But uh-huh. like I uh, I do think that like the story on its own is like a cool, interesting start. You know, I mean, like I think it's I think it sets up like stuff. And it's like if you just know like the core of like who the Fantastic Four are and their kind of character dynamics, I don't think you'd be like too incredibly lost, like, you know, or, or as to what's going on or what he's sort of setting up or putting together as a status quo because this is very preludy. I mean it is just like a day in their life. I feel know? like like for me at least, I feel like this could have been condensed and then I wish we would have gone a little further because I don't feel like we got a story or anything. Yeah, and and that's partially <clears throat> like my fault for structuring it this way. Originally we were going to do this and the first arc, like the first proper arc of the Fantastic 4 series. Uh but I didn't want to like overload you guys. And then all three of you were like, that was it. Like everyone was like, oh, I finished that. So I think going forward, we'll probably do two arcs. Okay. Like, and you did, (laughs) you did. Thanks, Max. You did say several times this is the prelude. So I, maybe I had that in mind going, going, but I, even not knowing, even not having context for every single thing, my thing is always, as long as they do a good job of conveying the emotion or whatever whatever you're supposed to read from that character, as long as they can get across that, I can usually enjoy the story. Yeah. So, and maybe it's because of my 
not foreknowledge of the Fantastic Four and Reed Richards, but I at least got a sense of like, you know, him him potentially taking a dark turn, his reasons for doing that and understanding why. And I guess that was good enough for so me. So you said but. he he's the bad guy of the ultimate universe? <laughs> he's he's a big one eventually. Okay. What a dick. Yeah, the maker. But yeah. Um I should have asked before we even started this, but I'm, I'm just curious. So who's, who's your guys' favorite member of the Fantastic Four? <laughs> I should have asked this earlier. She-Hulk. Uh, yeah, She-Hulk, yeah. The core members, Brett. Spider-Man. The I do core like, members. I like Spider-Man. Originals, guys. Well, I feel like Johnny Storm... Is Johnny Storm... Mm. Does he have more of a character than just like, ha, I love fucking... <laughs> he's got a good heart. So no, he doesn't have more of a character. No, he's got the, he's got the heart. Here, check this. Johnny Storm is like... He's got a hard dick. <laughs> Johnny Storm's like Iceman, but fire. <laughs> oh, shit. That's good, it, Brett. Um, I think I think so far in this, I like Sue the most. Yeah. Because she's the one that's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Stop. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you need to take it apart. Yeah. I don't know. And, and, and Ben Grimm seems interesting. I, I feel like I've heard of stories where, like, he struggles with the fact that he's a rock monster. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's I read the classic, this man, this monster, that type of shit. That sounds awesome. good. So good. So I think, <laughs> I think I like Sue followed by Ben. Sue kind of feels like in this book, after 60 years of being written the wrong way or just treated <laughs> like shit, she's now had it and she's now just angry and lashing out at everyone and is just tired of being treated like shit. And I got the feeling from this book. That everyone's just waiting to go like, whoa, Sue, baby, what are you so fired up for? Damn. She's like, smile I'm so tired face. of this shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it feels like it's leading towards Come all your the- jets, toots. Exactly. It feels like it's- Why don't you go make a sandwich? Yeah, all the, towards <laughs> all the men going like, whoa. Go to the salon, honey. Yeah. <laughs> you going to go out like that? <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I need to spend more time with these characters. I don't have a good enough sense of them yet, I think. Traditionally, Reed Richards is, would be my favorite. Yeah. Because he's stretchy. That's funny. He's really smart. I go uh, funny too. I kind of go between I kind of go between Ben and Johnny. I'd like to combine them. I think they're my favorite. Ben Johnny. Like in uh I do love Reed the second Fantastic Four. Oh yeah, when they combine when they switch powers. He's like, yeah. Yeah. That was weird. What was that ga- guy's name? Michael Michael Stickless. Chickless. Yeah. Yeah. Elena always thinks that a middle-aged bald man in a movie is him. <laughs> and I'm always like, dude, that's not Michael Chickless. <laughs> and then she'll be like, oh, that's the, like, I remember one time she saw a movie with his face on the cover and went, oh, that's the guy from Breaking Bad that I always mix up. And I was like, that's Michael Chickless. <laughs> like, like, she cannot get it right. <laughs> Damn baldest. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't have much more. I mean, like I said, this is a big prelude thing, so we're not going to like go too deep in everything and like give more, you know, context for what's to come. But um, do you guys have any predictions? Uh, d- does Reed solve everything next issue and we move on or what? Knowing that this is uh, two Omnis, no. Well, hey. yeah, no. Nah, but, but I mean, like, do you have any predictions as to like, like what's going on with those silhouette guys? No, but I did flip through and there's, it looks like crazy shit goes on. So I don't know. Yeah. Knowing the hubris of Reed Richards, I think it's going to be one step forward, three steps back. Oh, really? That's how I feel. I think, I think there's going to be a major falling out between the team and Reed. You think? Oh yeah. All right. I think the mysterious people that also built bridges are different versions of Reed Richards, and but they don't realize that they're all different versions of Reed Richards and they all think they're really clever for recruiting one another. Hmm. And then Reed Richards is also going to realize that he can't solve everything himself. 
it'll be some heavy handed moral thing at the end <laughs> where he learns a lesson or doesn't. And it all goes somewhere else completely. He, he should die. Yeah, they, he should die. I at think the end he of this? should die. Has he ever died? Reed? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sp- spaghettified by uh, Scarlet Witch. No, 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 no. Oh, let's say, yeah. let's just say mainline Reed Richards. Has he ever died? Yes. Okay. He has. Mainline John Krasinski? Uh, yeah, he died. Spaghettified. He was spaghetti. No, mainline John Krasinski has not died yet. You did point out that cover. In Max. the office chronology? No, in our chronology. That's, dude. In the RL oh, universe. I, I, that could uh, be the death of the four. Universe 616. Death of one of them. now. Yeah. <laughs> one, thing, one thing I find funny is that Reed Universe Richards is just such a, like, his thing is he's stretchy. So in every drawing of him, if it's not like a normal panel from a comic, he has to be stretching in some form. Even Like, there's a there's a page in this. His that's neck's like always a little Oh, I, I was literally just about to ask, did he stretch it all in this book? Because I didn't. Yes, he does. Oh, yeah. He does? Okay. He's doing it a lot. But there's a panel, there's like an in-between issue page where he's holding, he's typing on a computer, but he's a little too tall for it, so his arms are stretched out. <laughs> yeah. I bet it's really fun for the author to not have to worry about proportions. Yeah, you can just They're like, like, we're just going to fuck this guy up. Dude, well, dude, for like, him, and I know I brought it up earlier, but for him, his power being that he can stretch, I feel like it hardly ever comes up. Always, his intellect is more of his power than the stretchy thing. Yeah, that's true. Nowadays, for sure. <laughs> this, I mean, you know, how useful is stretching? <laughs> it's pretty cool. Well, you know, when you're taking <laughs> a shit and you run out of toilet paper and you need to grab... Oh, that was They literally did that in the movie. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you should be a screenwriter for Fox in 2002. <laughs> Get me a time machine. They still hire the same guys. But yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, now, you might be onto something, Chris, on a, on a few of those predictions. But uh, which ones? You'll, you'll find out. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, well, cool. I'm, uh, yeah, that was all out of nowhere, by the way. A lot of that was just coming out of my ass. So that's fine. You yeah. read the Wikipedia. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and do the question. Dark Rain, Fantastic Four. Are you pulling it or dropping it? Max, start with you. Um, to be frank, if we weren't doing this for the show, probably not. Yeah, I would probably just read like a wiki summary summary to find out what happens. Um, but because we're doing it for the show and because you love this so much, I am, I am interested. I would like to keep reading too. And to see why this is such a, a, like a special thing for you. Brett? Based on this, I drop it. I will not be a part of this series. Ever again? Ever again. I'm done with this show. Um, this is too complicated for me. We'll see you in two weeks. There's no explanations from Stan Lee. (laughs) The art's too complicated. Two, there are two colors. I'll find Jack a, Kirby used like six colors. I'll find a mod. <laughs> they could only afford to print so many right back then. <laughs> I can't. I'll find a I'll find a modded version online that has Stanley caption boxes that tell you like what's <laughs> what you. happened in each panel. Give me an asterisk. Tell me what what. It, it's also got to have like a speech bubble that quickly describes their powers. I'm sorry that Hickman thinks that you're smart enough to know what's going on. I'm not. <laughs> I never <laughs> pretended to be. <laughs> Chris? Meanwhile, in a dream, Dr. Doom was having while Nemo was talking to him. <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> you guys aren't thinking cinematically enough. <laughs> I got that. I, what's so funny is you all said that, but I was like, I was like, I got that on the first try. <laughs> I remember reading that and being like, it was clearly I was dream. almost <laughs> angry when you told me, and I was like... <laughs> There's no fucking way. You know, I was I, like, Max is going to drop this book now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's fucked this. You know, I don't look at the pictures. Yeah, famously. You should start. You It'll, saw. You liked that panel where Doctor Doom. Give me Doom, something fun to look at. Maybe I'll look. You loved it when Doctor Doom electrocuted the hood. Yeah, that was a good picture. That was cool. Wow! <laughs> don't touch my hood. I like that the hood. Yes, you Hick- said he has like magic powers, but then he's just got guns too. Yeah, yeah, he he has magic guns. Yeah, yeah, but um, don't want to over specialize. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I love what that. is magic, but science that we just don't understand yet. H- Hickman, electricity. Come on. That's such a perfect example of like, though, like Hickman could like spark like these fucking conversations about like, oh, well, he's doing this really interesting stuff with the character. It keeps you guessing. And then it's like there's these moments that are just like, that was fucking cool. Like, you know, it's like that, that there's that's just that's what defines his stuff for me is like, it's just this great mix of those things. And oh, yeah, I love it. We'll I just it more, I think but. it's funny. The idea of someone being a magic user and just pulling out a gun and shooting someone anyway. <laughs> like, I don't feel like using it. Well, he's an asshole. He's you know? an yeah. asshole. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the hood sucks. But yeah, uh, uh, Chris, pull a drop. on. I'll pull plate. it. I want to see where this goes. You seem intrigued. This is uh, the kind of weird, you know, different stories that you don't really get other than places like written, you know, stuff, comics. Very true. Whatever. So I agree. Uh, Awesome. Well, this went pretty smooth. Like I said, uh, we'll probably do two arcs next time. uh, So that would be, uh, you know. Well, also, so this doesn't end up being like a 20 episode series. Uh, But yeah, uh, we'll be covering the next two trades of Hickman's run on the next episode. The arcs are called uh, Solve Everything and Prime Elements. Can you you tell me real quick, how many issues is this? I think it's 10. No, 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 no. Like the series. Oh, uh, Hickman Fantastic Four. Is it like a hundred? Ten? No, no. It's it's like fifty, maybe. Okay, something around there. It's uh, a lot less than I thought. Yeah, it's 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 around there. Um, I think with both series, it's like maybe a little <laughs> over fifty. Okay, between fifty and sixty. But um, yeah. So uh, we're gonna do solve everything and prime elements next. Uh, there you have it, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Woo. Stay you, fantastic. Yeah, if you want, if you want to support this podcast, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash none of my friends like comics. Uh, you get this show early and other stuff when I can post and do it. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at no comic friends. Email the show at none of my friends like comics at gmail.com. Uh, listen to now, listen to this as well. That's a show where us uh, us boys talk about music, which is fun. Carl's been there too. He has been. Mm. It's a fun time. But yeah. And uh, lastly, if you like the show, tell your friends and family who might be interested to give it a listen. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next page. Fantastic 2024. Woo!